All right, everybody, welcome back to another politically charged, controversial, unhinged, action packed, sci fi heavy episode of The Handsome Boys. We have a real exciting Another classic, politically charged episode. Another politically charged episode. Chris is going to tell us uh, his opinions on politics. Chris, your thoughts on politics? Mm, I'm against it. Mm, here, 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 here. <laughs> Cheers to that. Uh, but seriously, how you doing, man? How you doing? It's been a, a little while since we've uh, recorded here. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> it's been hell. The world is hell. The whole world is fucking hell right now. I'm lost without you, so it's oh, okay. just awful. Yeah, what are your? Uh, let's just get this out of the way. What, what, uh, we're gonna date ourselves with this recording, but we're recording this two days after Black Wednesday, the day of uh, infamy, where. Um, the unpresident elect Donald Trump incited a riot on Capitol Hill, sending his cronies of uh, dejected music festival goers <laughs> to the steps of the Capitol. Jesus Christ, what a shit show. Various speed metal guitar players and... Uh, that's right, that's right. Uh, elected officials from Republican houses. Wild deer jerky enthusiasts. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, and quite a few um, online gamers, I'm going to assume. Stop <laughs> <laughs> our brothers out there on the front lines. You know that guy who called you the F word and the N word in one sentence in Call of Duty? That dude was definitely there with all his other internet friends. They met for the first time at the Chili's before they went down to the Capitol. And your mom, they were on a date together. Uh, did you see the clip of the guy called his mom while she was there and he's like mom is that you like what the his fuck? mom was there yeah no, I didn't yeah see he's that. like super ashamed of his mom that's really funny like jesus well we shouldn't talk about this for too long because who knows what other kind of crazy bullshit is going to happen by the time we put this out in like a week and a half i'm curious man like i we could be the next time we record this he could have actually well first of all he'll will he will be this second the first and only president to be impeached twice yeah uh but he actually might be the first president removed from office mm -hmm. i don't think anyone else has actually been removed just from office worried. there's just not enough time oh they'll make time get it done <laughs> you know like you know how they say government moves or congress is a bunch of clowns what a bunch of clowns what a bunch of clowns uh i think when they all really put their mind to something you know they all really want they only try really really hard they have a remarkable amount of power <laughs> so yes. it's like if they put that same gusto behind universal health care as they are behind impeaching president trump right now who knows where it's we'd be it's nice to see both red and blue aligned on a common passion I don't know I think it's lame I think already you're seeing a lot of like people getting away with it like people cutting jumping ship now and everyone's like oh good for you it's like oh thanks for waiting to the literally the 11th hour to yeah. like finally grow a fucking conscience <laughs> so I don't know I, I, I think I think only as, as tragic as it was I think good things will come of it because you know it might have been what we needed for like the collective consciousness to snap out of it to a certain extent. I hate saying that. Push it back to the fringe a little bit, but, you know? like, it really... There is a bit of a silver lining in this whole Trump era, and that is everybody just kind of getting activated, waking up to all the bullshit that's really been going on the whole time and been right under our noses, and... Yeah. Well, it's, easy. it's good. It's good that people are angry. You know? Yeah, and the whole thing that will happen, and that overshadowed happened in Georgia, right? To yeah. Senators there, so that's about as much politics as I care to talk about. I just thought we'd, we'd be remiss not to touch on it since it was something that you know Chris and I are both American citizens. Does affect us. We have family there, so 
it is important what happens in the U.S. to us anyway, so it should be to you too. And if you don't agree with us, well then, continue listening. We still want you to listen. Yeah, don't, please don't stop listening. Please don't stop listening. Just fast forward through this <laughs> yeah. part. Uh, but uh, enough of that. Uh, let's let's get back to um, distracting. The reason that we're here. Let's get back to distracting entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> the opiate of the masses. The only kind of entertainment. Other than opium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you watch and or see anything fun last uh, little bit here? I know we haven't really had a lot of time. See fun stuff all the time. Not Pornhub. Oh. Uh, in that case, yeah, sure. Uh, well, we both watched uh, Tenet. Mm-hmm. We sure did. An uh-huh. exercise in listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like... Two hour long hearing test. Huh? <laughs> Revert inverted to what? So okay, I will. I'll say this, and I I, I hate to harp on it because if it's like a little technical thing, like a lighting thing or whatever, I get over it. I'm not one to. This isn't a technical. This is a stylistic decision. It's so weird. So I had it. I watched it with headphones on. Right, which I recommended you do. I turned the low end of the bass of, of the EQ down to help kind of bring out the the vocals a little better. And I cranked it to the max and I put uh, the subtitles on. <coughs> and I had to rewind like every five minutes to figure out what they were saying. That said, doesn't really matter too Sign much what they're saying. Because <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It, it's, they should have called it Time Cop 2. This time it's personal. I would have been fine if there was no dialogue and they just put a little Chiron up every like 15 minutes be like okay this is what's happening now and then just get to the action because yeah. that's all I really cared about you know uh, and, and as usual um, Nolan doesn't disappoint in that regard no. like this movie was cool as shit only issue I have with it again like PG-13 why like yeah. what, were you, what, what did you have to lose this time by making it PG-13 you know what I mean I guess they didn't know that it was going to be limited release because of the pandemic and all that kind of shit but, like, this movie was an adult film. Like, why are you rating this movie? Made it. What children are going to see this movie and consume this entertainment and be entertained by it? Yeah. You know, like, if I was a little kid, I'd watch this movie and be like, okay, that looked cool. I'm never watching this again. Uh, yeah. I probably would have liked it, like, realized I liked it when I got older or something. It's kind of like Akira, right? Like, you, you're like, but not, Good cool, call. but not cool enough because it wasn't full of blood and gore and nudity. And, right. That was know. the saving grace of Akira. Right. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. But with I that wanted movie. to watch it over and over again. Until I got to be, like, 25. And I was like, oh, I see all I think I was a little younger than 25 when I figured out what was going on in that movie. But I think I was younger than you when I saw it. I was a late bloomer. Right. Like, what did you think was going on? You thought it was just like, you just got upset and turned into a blob? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Yeah, but that's kind of what, that's sort of what I felt about it. It was like, I love that it's, it's, it's such a good movie and it's so cool. Once you kind of figure out what's going on, I'm still not clear on a bunch of shit. Like, first of all, like. Who is communicating with Kenneth Branagh and why? They don't really clear that they up. They never cover that. Uh, why? The future. <coughs> Excuse me, I guess. And then also... The, the the unknown, evil, amorphous future. And then what did they... They sent pieces of this of this doomsday device back in time to be... Oh, no. This, well, they, first they, of all, you're already thinking about it too much. I guess. But, <laughs> but I think you are supposed to think about it No, like you are. It's it's you know, it's all kind of crazy. Yeah, it's basically someone in the future, is, like the, someone in the past. You can you can always communicate with the future, right? So he'll go and he'll put like a message to them somewhere safe. They get it, 
and he gives them like a location or something where he wants something and they send it back to that spot in his time so he can go and get it. So they didn't really cover it, but they actually mentioned by uh, chance, sorry to interrupt you there, but he found by chance the first component when he was cleaning up the nuclear spill, whatever shithole town he came from. Yeah, like a Chernobyl-esque. Like one of those secret Russian towns, which I think is cool because those did exist. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. don't, I don't know, man. Oh, I, I like I watched Michael Caine like sloppily, juicily, like heart down this piece of steak. He's like, oh, sure, it's dope. I'm like, just watching on the steak at the same time. Mm, so good. Mm. It's like, wow, you didn't, you, didn't have to, you didn't hide the sound of his fucking lips smacking, but you, but we can't hear what the fuck he's talking about. I was eating when I watched oh, this movie, and I had, to, I had to stop. Oh man, it's real upsetting. Yeah, it was rough, and like you know, don't get me wrong, I love Sir Michael, you know, mm-hmm. but that was strange. Great film, totally recommend it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, great. Movie. Ten stars. Uh, and you watched? Uh, you started Cobra Kai. I started season three of Cobra Kai. Oh, season three. I thought you started episode. I thought you just no, 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 no. I'm I'm oh. I'm way into Cobra Kai. Okay, I have not started season three yeah. yet, so no don't, spoilers. Don't spoil it. I am. I thought you had said that you were just starting the show. No, no, no. Okay, but I will say. That's not out of character. For I'm you. like. No, for sure okay. not. But we, you and I were both into Cobra Kai at the same time. It's fine. I don't expect you to remember. Uh, <laughs> it was like three years ago, dude. I, okay. Fair. I can't remember what happened three days ago. So, um, I did start season three. I'm three episodes in. And no spoilers at all, but just more of the same. It's It delivers. It's hilarious and awesome and made for, you know... Made kids, for kids of all ages. Kids of all ages. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first two seasons. I can't wait to see season three. I'm stoked. Um, one show that you should put on your radar. I don't know if you ever read the book, The Stand. You don't really put things on your radar. They just show up on your radar. I feel. Uh, this is the last episode of uh, The Handsome Boys. You still um, want to finish this one? Though. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll wrap this up. But I want you to know I'm not enjoying myself the entire time. Okay, great. Anyway... Uh, the Stand is a good book. Um, put Stephen it on King, your compass. <laughs> no, that's, that's still no, wrong. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King. It's based on this like 1,000 page long magnum opus that came out in the late 70s about a plague that wipes out the earth and the forces of good and evil who fight in the aftermath. It is excellent. It's a 10 part miniseries. They're four episodes deep. Would you- I'm so hooked on it. Would you describe it as a chilling vision of things to come? Uh, you know what? No, it's pretty... Like, because it's done with the kind of tongue-in-cheek way that Stephen King does things, mm-hmm. right? With, like, brutal humor and a really unflinching look at the at the macabre, right? Like, he's gross. And he shows you gross things. And he, and he, and he shows them to you in such a matter-of-fact way that you almost can't be offended by them or surprised by them. I love Stephen King. Me too. So You, you might have just said this and I wasn't listening, but uh, is it One and Done? One and Done miniseries. Like The Outsider? Yeah, it's just a miniseries, right? Yeah. So it's based on this book. They're not going to expand it. Um, it's on CBS All Access, which you can't get in Canada, so I've got it for a free download. Don't we get everything <laughs> that's on CBS All Access on Sci-Fi? Uh, I guess, but not this yet. Not this so time. I've been downloading it. I'll probably... You know, it'll you know I'll I'll find some way to give them their money back for it. It's great. So, anyway, that's pretty much it for me. We've kind of just been you know didn't have a lot of time to watch anything new or good because holidays and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of Christmas movies. We, so we we both watched uh, a New Year's movie. Uh, New Year's. We did Ghostbusters too. Oh yeah. Well, we watched is a loose term as we were both pretty <laughs> blasted while that was on. Although we we pretty much did have it on the whole time with the audio. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I was invested. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we didn't need to go down that road, so let's. Uh, That's enough uh, fucking about. Quit while we're uh, still kind of take ahead. Take a break, and we're gonna yeah, we're gonna come back and talk about a movie. 
Uh-huh. Go fuck yourselves. Bye. I'd like to keep this handy for close encounters. I heard that. All right, we are back. And Chris, what do we have up this week? Well, Nathan... Uh, you texted me and you said we were going to watch Aliens. Right. But you didn't send me any more messages, so I didn't know which Aliens movie you wanted to watch. So I just watched Mac and Me. Uh, didn't really like it, to be honest with you. But, well, you know, let's talk about it. Well, no, Chris, because the movie that we were supposed to watch wasn't Mac. Just kidding! Oh, God. you. Oh, I was just about to scratch you, silly. You. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. No. No, we did watch no. Aliens. We did watch Aliens. And why did we start... For the with, first time. <laughs> why did we start with Aliens instead of Alien, you ask? Oh, good question. I know that you're all asking yourself that right now. Like, what was this the second movie? Why did you watch the first movie? because uh, you're stupid. Yeah. And it's also because this is the... And to answer your question, shut the fuck up. That's why. But the real reason is that uh, this is actually coincidentally, Chris and I both saw this movie first. Yeah, before, before Alien. So, Alien. which was the same thing for me, also with Terminator. I saw Terminator Two. Same before. here. Yeah. So we should also. Well, maybe we'll do that. You'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, so Aliens, uh, uh, pretty much widely regarded as a masterpiece. 1986, directed by the pride of Kapuskasing, Ontario. Whoa. James Cameron. <laughs> Uh, it was made for a budget of 18.5 million. Its gross was a little murky, uh, so I, I, I averaged it to 150 million. Yeah, what was up with that? I don't know. It That's quite the disparity. Between 130 one, and 180. Yeah. So I averaged it to 150. 50 so. million dollars went missing at some yeah. point. It's, it's, yeah. Missing into the uh, city treasury of Kapuskasing. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really, you said that twice now. That's really jarring. I'm not I, have, right. I have it written down right here. So. Kapuskasing. I've yeah. never heard that before. Uh, um, yeah, uh, budget $150 million, so a uh, pretty huge hit at the time. Um, it uh, The music was done by James Horner. Yep. Uh, another notable, the story was co, uh, co-written by Walter film Hill. director Walter Hill. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, so that was news to me. Walter um, Hill, uh, educate the people, 48 Hours. 48 Hours, uh, oh God, what was the other big one that he did? 48 Hours is the only one I really remember. Some, oh, uh, Red Heat. For sure, with Arnold Schwarzenegger right. and uh, James Belushi. He's the pioneer of the buddy cop movie. Right. So, Walter Hill's essentially... Oh, yeah, and uh, the, the Warriors. The Warriors, yeah. right. So, he's credited as, for, as creating the format of the buddy movie as we know it with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte in 48 Hours. A movie we'll definitely do one day. Um, so, it came out in 1986. Other movies that came out in 1986 include Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, The Karate Kid Part Two, Star Trek Four. The Voyage Home, The Golden Child, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, Holy shit. A real strong list there. 1986, a big year. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah. You're my eyes, Goose. <laughs> uh, Aliens, man, I, I love this movie. Um, I'm always really worried when we're going to do a movie that I've seen a thousand times if I'm going to be, you know, kind of bored and writing notes about it. And I never am when it's when I love this much, you know? No. Just, like, it's you know what it is, man. It's like it's the same reason I like listening to other podcasts that talk about movies that I like, is that it's like I get to appreciate it from 
a different angle than the hundreds of other times that I've seen it. I'm like looking in the background for shit going on and like kind of analyzing it in a way I haven't before. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think this might be the first time I saw the movie in like HD 1080p ish, uh, whatever stars is uh, displaying it at quality because I noticed a lot more detail this time. Same. Even on regular DVD, which I have seen multiple times, it's very grainy and the blacks are very grainy. So it was nice to see a lot more detail a lot more of James Cameron's vision a lot of the model work is just stunning in yeah, this movie yeah I agree it looked, looked better than I ever remember yeah. looking this time that was a big takeaway for me alright so why don't you start us off here gladly friendo uh, so we open on fucking space fucking space whatever it's, it's usually the sign of a pretty good movie to come if you open on space you know in a, in, in a few months I'm gonna build a spreadsheet to kind of calculate how many movies we've, movies done. we've done that open on space it's been at least five yeah. if not more so like a third of our movies hey man you know why we're, we're nerds we talk about space movies what do you want why order a cheeseburger when you can have steak right why milk the cow when you get the sex for free yeah does that apply yeah, exactly. Sure. The birds and the bees. Go on. Uh, so, yeah, we open on space, some cool, chill music playing, a little spaceship, a little, little triangle spaceship. Yeah, so it's the escape pod from, from the, the Nos- first. the Nostromo. Yeah. The ship from Alien. Um, we open on a dark room, and we see uh, Lieutenant uh, Ellen Ripley's pod, her sleep sleep pod, her tube. How, how many times did you see these movies until you realized her first name was Ellen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that this time. I actually tried to, to get everybody's first names because they don't, they almost call everybody by their last name. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Carter uh, Burke. Carter Burke. Yeah. That's a great name. Well, we haven't met him yet. Uh, I, you know what I didn't get is Vasquez. She's got a first name and I don't know what it is. It's, on, the, on the screen, she's Jay Vasquez. So oh, uh, maybe it's Jeanette. Jeanette. Oh, don't. Juanita. Or, or Janelle. Or Juanita. <laughs> yeah. It has to be Jay that's in Jeanette Goldstein's contract. Yeah. We're getting way ahead here. We're getting way ahead, right? You don't know who that is yet. We're getting way ahead. Because I assume, if you're listening to this, you've never seen this movie, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Then um, a we get a proximity alert and a bigger ship takes on the escape pod. And uh, it's a salvage ship of some sort. Yeah, basically, uh, the door gets cut open uh, to the pod by like some kind of uh, welding torch, and then this big steady cam looking robot pokes its head in and beams a blue laser around the room. So, just really cool. When I was a kid watching this on grainy ass VHS, I had no fucking idea what was happening. Same here. Show. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on with this until what DVDs is happening? came out. Yeah, wow. Like, it's so, it's so, so hard to tell. Yeah, but anyway, she gets rescued by some space firefighters, and uh, don't forget her her cat Jonesy is in there too with her. Is she is Jonesy in the pod with yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. He's the only other. Well, because it's been fifty two years or something, right? Or fifty seven yeah. years or something. So that was the only way Jonesy would have survived. The only two thing creatures that survived the first film are the cat, the uh-huh. tabby cat, and Ripley. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> so. a good thing that the technology that can put you to sleep in a pod also works on cats. Yeah, well, I mean, cats are little people, you know, so yeah. it's the same thing. Cats are little people. Yeah. Isn't that I, right, Puddin? I have a, I have a t-shirt that <laughs> says cats are little people. Chris won't let me wear it in public with him. <laughs> uh, I just I think, I think that cat's super cute. Um, yeah, anyway, she got... Oh, Jonesy? Yeah, Jonesy. Yeah, Jonesy's super cute. Yeah. Love Jonesy. <laughs> you, what does he, she call her later? Your little shit. Uh, oh, you, how are you, you stupid cat? She calls, she calls him a little shit and a stupid cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
Anyway, she gets rescued. <laughs> we talked about that yet? She, she, got, res- re- she got rescued. I, mean, I love how they're saying, how they're like, oh, it's just some woman in a pod. There goes our salvage. Yeah. I love how everybody in this movie is just some like greedy fucking like money grabbing piece of shit. It's like if the 80s, if like if the culture of the 80s was just teleported into the future, like the corporate greed. Yeah. Know? Who could imagine a future where corporations seem to have unlimited power and control are, every aspect of our lives? We're super fortunate that uh, Pierre Tr- or uh, Justin Trudeau, Trudeau got elected and enlightened the country to stop that from happening. So <laughs> For sure. Um, then we get this really cool space station over Earth. It is so cool. It's really cool looking. I got a good look at it this time. Yeah, uh, cool. and Earth is like a painting as well. I don't know if you notice that. It's a nice map painting there. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Earth looks great. Oh, we, it all looks great. We'll, it's great. It's all great. Everything's all great. great. Everything's great. Everyone's doing fine. Um, th- we learned that the space station is called Gateway Station. By yeah. the way, I took note of that this cool. time. Yeah. I did not know that. It's the gateway to the stars. Presumably. Yes. Um, yeah, so she wakes up and she wants to know where she is. <laughs> uh, she wants to know where she is. She meets, she, she wakes up to see the menschy young face of Paul Reiser of TV's Mad About You. Now, it always fucking just... Like, if you grew up in our generation... You know Paul Reiser as Paul Buckman from Mad About You. Whether you watch that show or not, that was that show that was on. It was on NBC, so it was on at the same fucking time. And I think it was on Musty TV with like Seinfeld and Friends on Thursday nights. It was on for years. And uh, what's her name? Helen Hunt. She was such a huge star, man. She won the Emmy like every year. She won an Oscar. That was like the most popular sitcom in the world for yeah. a few years. And if you guys don't, if you kids out there don't know what must see TV is, then you're stupid. It was TV that you had to see. It was on. No, it was, they you were con- legally obligated. Imagine it was like it was like you know the early you know O's with like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Thirty Rock, but it was Seinfeld, Friends, and, and Mad About You. Yeah. You know it was like arguably better. <laughs> no, Paul, uh, Paul Reiser was a huge star, but this is like before Mad About You when he was a stand-up comedian yeah when he was doing the fucking stand-up comedian circuit and for some reason James Cameron was like you're my smarmy corporate piece of shit hey you and, you lesser Jerry Seinfeld hey Jerry Seinfeld light yeah you get over here uh, it, it, he's so fucking good I love and Paul that, Reiser in this movie the best part about it is that he is so good in this movie he's so good yeah it just does and you're so you can always be like Paul Reiser is the shit motherfucker was an alien yeah like yeah, it's a really you can never great, take that away from we'll, this guy we'll bring it up later yeah. multiple times but it's a really fantastic but when we first meet Carter Burke he comes off as a very sympathetic you know kind of affable guy yeah right? he's very concerned about Ripley possibly harmless like, yeah. yeah you know he's very concerned about Ripley and uh, he tells her it's been 50 she's been in stasis so, for, so, so he says uh, I work for the company which you kind of get a little twinge from her when she hears that too well because she knows the company are the ones who, who sent them to LV426 to yeah. get the egg right yeah so yeah and she's been having nightmares and whatever. We'll recap the we'll recap the plot of the first one when we get to the board meeting or the uh, okay the, yeah we'll have to talk about it yeah. a little bit. Um, anyway, so yeah, Burke says uh, it's it's just a side effect of the unusually long hypersleep, and she, obviously we get the reaction from Ripley that she doesn't know what he's talking about. She's like, "How long was I out there?" And he's I love for at first he's like, "Has no one discussed this with you yet?" Right? And she makes the salesman to the core. Right? Yeah. And so like, she she yeah. makes him tell her, or she, yeah, she makes him tell her how long. She's like, "How long?" Right? And he's like, uh, four days." And I mean, can you imagine? For well, sleeping for that long? Well, think about this. You went to sleep on Monday, and you wake up on fucking Friday, and America is in enough people. So you never know, <laughs> dude. You never fucking know. Yeah. 
But no, it was like 50 years, right? Uh, 57 years. 57 years. Yeah. Yeah, so... um, Then um, Ripley starts feeling uncomfortable and gets some stomach pains, and an alien starts bursting out of her chest, and she dies. And the movie is over. And that's the end of the movie. This is a really bold choice from James Cameron. I don't know where he put those $18 million, but... Again... Kapuskasing, man. It's all being funneled through Kapuskasing. All right? It's tax shelter. Follow the money. <laughs> Follow the money. Uh, yeah, it's all a dream. Uh, she wakes up. She's freaking out. This is like a thing for her now. She's got PTSD, really, really bad PTSD. Yeah. Um, a lot, you know, we, we kind of just, we get a nice little uh, jump forward here to her kind of, you know... Oh, this is the hearing now. We go to the hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so let's so, let's recap the the plot of the first uh, film while we do this because this is a big exposition moment. This this scene was built for people who hadn't seen the first movie. Also, it should be noted this is a master class in like diegetic exposition. exposition. It is like it's so natural. Yeah, they tell the story of the first one through a necessary scene in this movie. Yeah, so basically, right. Ripley is at a hearing for the company property that she detonated trying to kill this alien, right? And they're being extremely corporate and skeptical. Um, they refer to uh, LV-426 as a rock with no indigenous life, and she says, well, I told you it's not indigenous, so what happened was... Did IQs suddenly drop sharply while I was away? I love that. So what happened in the first one, I'll just summarize quickly, Ripley and her crew uh, on the Nostromo or a, a cargo vessel, and they were returning... What are they? They're... They're a cargo ship. Okay. So, so they're, they're hauling a payload. Like from, Planet Express from Futurama. Exactly. So they're hauling a payload from point A to point B, right? So there was this whole, the company had this whole plan all along to, to divert the Nostromo to this beacon on LV-426 they knew for a fact to be some type of alien uh, organism there, right? Right. Uh, this all gets explained in Prometheus, of course. You have to wait till later. Um, but, uh, or don't. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not, fine. It's not retcon. Fuck you. you I love that. You movie. don't have to watch that. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, so they go down there. They find the eggs. Um, a facehugger jumps on one of her crewmen and she, they take him back to the ship. On his face? Yep. And uh, the alien bursts through his stomach. YouTube it. Uh, and kills the crew and then she ends up blowing it out of the airlock from the sh- escape shuttle. So they're more concerned of the fact that she blew up, let me see it. Uh, I blew only it out of the goddamn airlock. $42 million, so I guess like less expensive than an F-18 fighter jet. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. They really but, missed the mark with the inflation there. Right? Yeah, but two takeaways from them recounting like the incident <laughs> on the Stromo are $42 million? Like in, a, in, a, in adjusted dollars, wear, they say too. Yeah, I wear suits that cost more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so inflation, wildly misjudged. And also, it was 57 years ago. Why the fuck did they give a fuck what happened to this? Like, Hey, there's no statute of limitations like, on property them, crime. None of those people were even alive when <laughs> the Nostromo blew up. Uh, I think it's, again, it's world building with just like how in control the Wayland yutani Corporation is. Right. right. It's all about the dollars. It's all about the dollars. Yeah. Right. It's all about the, and it was even if you watch the first alien, they're always talking about their shares and how much more how many more shares you're gonna get and these shares here, right? Right. Like this culture it's like a, it takes like a it's a microcosm of like eighties excess and greed transported to this future setting. Right? There's even a little bit of that with the uh, the Marines later. Too. Oh, totally. They want a bit of that. They're all just doing a stint to get paid or get some kind of. They get paid per. They get. They work for the U.S. government, but they get paid per job. Right. Yeah. That's their thing. And I love all the cliche lines coming up. Anyway. Um. So before we leave the boardroom, a couple of key things. Yeah. Van Leeuwen. Uh. Yeah. So well, first of all, did we say the name of the planet LV four two six? Named by the, named Asheron by the colonists. 
But really? L- yeah, but LV426 is the, uh, is the, like, coded designation. Right. It's right, it's in the same solar system as LV223, which is the moon from Prometheus. Oh, for me, that always stuck out as a great planet name for a sci-fi like LV426 yeah well it's, it's like, just instead it's, of it just like being like you know well it's like Wolf 359 or some shit it's like Wolf 359 yeah it's, it's right? in that like Star Trek naming convention yeah. it's actually super scientific it's what we call stars and planets before we have any reason to name them anything else right like, like couple G- 27 B yeah GC 246 yeah. like Galaxy Cluster 246 or whatever but yeah we know you don't like whimsy okay let's just move <laughs> don't yeah I think it's dangerous. Uh, so she's horrified to discover that also that there are colonists now on LV426. Yeah, she says that they got to go back there, and it's like, it's, but we already have people. We got to send people there. Yeah, she's like, we've had people on LV426 for twenty years. Yeah. So, and so it's a fa- uh, 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 what do they call it? Uh, terraforming. It's a, yeah, it's a terraforming uh, operation, a shake and bake operation. Yeah, she calls it. And yeah, shake and bake, having survived the uh, shake and bake, uh, the uh, chicken topping wars. <laughs> Yeah, of the late yeah. 21st century. In, in the future, <laughs> in, to 2099, the only coating for chicken is shake and bake. Extra crispy, baby. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the crux of it is he casually throws out there that there's 60 to 70 families. So that's like 150 people or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's horrified. So anyway, she's, she's back in her, I don't know. Domicile. Domicile, yeah. Space unit. Uh, having a smoke. Lots of smoking in this movie because it's the 80s. Yep. Yeah, lots of smoking. Yeah, they couldn't have predicted uh, no some anti-smoking laws. Nah. Sure, I guess. Nah. But people do smoke still. It is a thing. Like, it happens. Uh, so. I've never seen it. No. Uh, it's also rated R, so who fucking cares? Let's just move, let's move on here, Mr. Anti-Tobacco. Look, look, the most interesting part of this movie is what Ripley does in her apartment on Gateway Station. So she's sitting there staring off into space with her PTSD really affecting her still, it looks like. Uh, and uh, she gets a visit by Carter Burke and some, uh, some crew cut... <laughs> a lieutenant. Some crew cut and khakis. Yeah, L- Lieutenant Gorman. Lieutenant Gorman, yeah. Uh, and they tell her that they need her help because a um, they lost contact with the colony on LV-426. Yeah. So Ripley is like, are you fucking kidding me? After all that, you embarrassed me, after you sandbagged me, railroaded me in that uh, hearing, now you want my help. Well, go fuck yourself. She is unequivocally not going in the, the first. Yeah, and I love how Burke gives her the backhanded compliment. He's like, yeah, I understand that you're working on the loading dock now, driving a loader, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know that's all you could get, but there's nothing wrong with no. that. He goes, he goes, no, that's great. I'm, it's good that you're keeping busy. No, he also says, I know that's all that you could get, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There you go. There's this first Donald Trump-esque uh, sales tactic right there. Oh, man. and speaking of which, he also says the line here, so... They explain that they're not just going to send her in alone. They're going to send a team of uh, space marines. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, side note: the first time we ever get fucking space marines in a th- in a in a piece oh, of dude, uh, fiction, the movie that invented space marines, the movie that invented Halo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like no joke. So much of Halo is so this including movie. Apollo, which I'm fairly confident is the exact same actor. I think it might be the same. Yeah, guy. Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah. Um, he died recently. We'll talk about yeah. the Halo. More we will. Later. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so Burke is saying that they're going to send Marines along, so, you know, it, it'll be fine. And he says the line, um, and these are these are tough space Marines. Uh, they're, they're real tough hombres. <laughs> and, uh, you know. And they, real, real, real bad hombres, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, and then he goes on to say that, like, the colonists are, like, rapists and murderers. And some, I assume, are good people. Yeah, and he says between the aliens and the colonists that there's good people on both sides. <laughs> and maybe Antifa and Al-Qaeda have infiltrated the colonists. Yeah. <laughs> and put crazy actors. He tells the aliens to stand down and stand, stand by. by. <laughs> he tells me he loves them. <laughs> yeah. To go back to their nest and that they're very special. <laughs> very special. <laughs> We really shouldn't be laughing about this, but we might cut this out. Uh, depending on what happens in the next two weeks. If he's out of the office, we're leaving it in. Yeah. Um, um, oh, shit. Burke also leaves his super cool, clear business card. Oh, because in the future, there's no paper. It's yeah. paperless, right? Everything's plastic, including the phone, like the thing that she sticks into the phone to call. That's right. She sticks his card into the phone to call him. That's cool. That, I never noticed that, that before. That is also cool. I never noticed that. I, You know what? I saw that scene. I don't think I clocked that that was his business card it is. until just now. So she wakes up in a cold sweat, PTSD, old PTSD again. Her old friend, PTSD. Uh, and then she says to Burke, she calls Burke and he wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, oh, Ripley. Oh, I was just doing cocaine and playing with my toys. Did you notice that he like when he realizes it's her, he like looks back to the back of the room, really like concerned for a second, and then back at the camera. It's like, oh, Ripley, uh, what's what's going on? Like it's like Gorman move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I think it's just good acting. I think it's just Paul Reiser being a good actor and being snapped out of sleep. Well, no argument there. Uh, so she says she wants to. She clarifies. She goes, "We're just going to go to kill them, right?" Yeah. And he's like, absolutely, Ripley, you can trust me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on your side. <laughs> uh, and she believes him. Like, yeah, she, she, you know what, Ripley, fool you once, but you believe the Wayland Utani Corporation again. And uh, she wants to believe. I think she, because the, the reason she calls him is to like she's ass, closure. assuage her PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's trying to get closure. Well, she has to go back and see if they're still there. She has to, yeah. right, for herself. So. Um, now we actually cut to the Sulaco, the Sulaco, which is a cool phallic uh, <laughs> giant battleship. On, on the scale of one to five space penises of all the movies we've covered, I'm gonna give the Sulaco like a three point five. It's pretty. It's a pretty. It's a pretty spontaneous space penis. Uh, <laughs> spontaneous. Yeah. You like that? It spans through space. Um, I can't credit that. I believe that's from South Park. Uh, it's it's pretty great. It's a pretty great model. It's a really good model work. The first shot that you see of it going through space, it's with the sun in the background, and like, very. This movie is very space beautiful. Everything's colorful out, out in space. It right? is very space beautiful. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> uh, and we we uh, we cut to again something Nathan, else. Nathan, you're very space beautiful. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, you're very space handsome. Thanks, man. Uh, we cut to another um, trope in movies: the awakening of cryosleep being the worst. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> talked about this. Pandorum. In Pandorum that. Waking up out of hypersleep is universally a terrible experience. Uh, Uh, This also gives us, as the space marines are all waking up, this gives us the line that I would then use for the rest of my life, anytime I'm hungover near somebody else's hungover. Do it. Which which is, oh man, Hicks, you look just like I feel. Hicks, played by the uh, great Michael Bean. Yeah. Uh, So... I love how they're all supposed to look terrible, but they all look like actors who've had their hair done and had makeup applied to them yeah, as they, they all, emerged from hypersleep. They all look beautiful. Also, Erica popped out that Ape, uh, pointed out that Ape Pone immediately pops in his cigar. Yeah, he's, like, it's within in, seconds. It's, it's in there with him. It's in the tube with him. Yeah, yeah. just pops it in his mouth. I quite enjoyed that. What did you say? Come on, people, assholes and elbows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Ape Pone. He's a great. 
Like, I, A. Paul was a big star for me in this viewing. Like, every line that he delivered, every shot with him. He's on fire. Al Matthews, that's the name of the actor. Yeah. Uh, um, we get... Uh, we're just kind of getting... Okay, you know what? Even though we meet them all kind of gradually over the next 15 minutes, let's let's go through Let's all, go through the Space Marines. All the Space Marines. Okay, so we got uh, Corporal Hicks. That's Michael Bean. We're not going to name all the actors here. Yeah. Uh, we'll name a few of the notable ones. Yeah, so Sergeant Apone. Yeah. He's, he's in charge. Well, Gorman is lieutenant. So yeah, so this, that's a platoon structure. So you have your lieutenant, your sergeant, and then your corporal. And then the rest are privates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you got uh, yeah Private Hudson, played by Bill Paxton. One of his earliest roles. Yep. Um, more on him later. Yep. Uh, Private Vasquez. Oh, boy. We need to set some time aside to talk about Private Vasquez. Let's go through the Marines first okay, here. Okay, okay. So, we also got Private Drake. Mark Ralston. My personal favorite. Oh, my, one of my favorites, too. We love, we're big Mark Ralston fans on the Handsome Boys here. Yeah. Um, we already got Lieutenant Gorman. We got Corporal Hicks, which we said, I, I guess. said that yet. And I think that's it. Well, there's others. No, we got, we got, okay, we got Frost. Yeah, Frost. Dietrich. Frost and Dietrich. Frost, Dietrich, where's Baski? Um, Crow. Crow. Uh, Spunkmeyer. It's Spunkmeyer, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, remember the, the female pilot. The other female name. pilot, yeah. yeah. We'll look her up, too. But yeah, those are our Space Marines. That's our platoon. Spunkmeyer. Spunkmeyer. <laughs> Great, eh? Uh, yeah, so they're all. They're all waking up and stretching out. Vasquez immediately does some chin-ups. Wait, hang on. Before we go through that scene, which we do also need to talk about that scene, but let's talk about Vasquez for a hot second. So Vasquez, as a child, I thought was played by a Mexican woman. Possibly Maria Conchita Alonso, because she looked so similar to her in this movie, and Maria Conchita Alonso was in all those movies. She was in Running Man, she was in Predator 2. Yeah. Right? But she's not, is she? No. She's played by very white and uh, very Jewish American Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. You may recognize Jeanette Goldstein, or we'll also know her from Terminator 2, where she plays Janelle. uh, The ne'er do well foster mom. The ne'er do well foster mom of John Connor. Or as the uh, Irish mother in Titanic. Right. <laughs> she's a James Cameron. Uh, she's a James Cameron. A true chameleon. Yeah, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable. They would never get away with this today. In a million fucking years, they would not get away with this she today. She is in brown she face. She is in full brown face. She's speaking Spanish. She's Fuck got a you, bit. man. Yeah. Hey, pentejo. Pentejo ese. Oh, loco. Yeah. It's real cholo. Or chola, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. She's got short, short hair with gel in it. She's jacked. I could ask my Latin American family how they respond to this. How they feel about Vasquez? Probably. Because here's the thing about Vasquez, though, in spite of all that. She's just too bad. She's so bad. So her and Drake are fucking. That's like a thing that's that, happening. That's apparent. That's pretty apparent. Yeah, I don't think they're supposed to be. Right? I, th- I think it's implied at when, well, what spoiler alert, yeah. Drake goes down later. Oh, she's losing it. That, that yeah. hits her pretty hard. Yeah, it hits her hard. Like, I almost imagined a scenario where they're homies. Like, they're really tight, but Drake is in love with her. But though, she fucks him. Yeah, like he's but just, he's in love and she's just banging. She's a he's a power bottom, yeah. and Vasquez is on top. You know, uh, yeah. 
Uh, uh, well, anyway, I'm sure we're, we all got weird boners at the first scene with Vasquez where she's busting out chin-ups. Oh, uh, right. So Bill Paxton goes, hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? To which she replies, no. Have you? And then Drake goes, oh, Vasquez, you're just too bad. You're just too bad. Mark Ralston. What a young, fresh-looking guy he was before he got old and creepy, eh? Yeah. Like, he was such a handsome, like, guy in this. And then, like, years later, he just turned into, like, primo rapist, serial killer, <laughs> slash shady <laughs> FBI agent. <laughs> what else is he in? Uh, Rush Hour. Rush Hour, And then yeah. a couple, uh, Star Trek Utopia Planitia, he's the murderer, remember, in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? One of them, he's mind raping Troy because he's the other Betazoid. That's right. Yeah. God. God. That's, all those Troy mind rapes. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. That's fucking crazy. So these are our Marines. We have a bit of like opening with them. They go to get some chow. In the mess hall. Yeah. And then they, uh, we, oh, we were introduced to Bishop. We forgot about Bishop. This is where we meet Bishop. Right. So Bishop. Oh, well, first of all, hang on. They're all sitting, you get a big pan across like the yeah. table and uh, you get a line from Apone. It's always just stuck in my brain. Um, where somebody, I think maybe Frost asks Apollon what the mission is, and he goes, uh, uh, oh, you'll love it. There's some juicy colonist daughters we have to rescue from their virginity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sexual assault is funny. Uh, God, the A's. Anyway. Oh, there's nothing I wanted more when I was in my late 20s than a virgin. <laughs> to, what, what is this fantasy? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, like, you know, sexual predator's fantasy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, nothing's more fun than awkwardness and blood. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> I'm talking about my, my, my own hand. Um, you know, the first time you have sex as a man, your dick bleeds? <laughs> yeah, that's normal, right? <laughs> first couple of times for me. <laughs> uh, so uh, they, they, we, we have a nice pan. We get uh, Bishop, and they're like, Bishop, do the thing with the knife. Um, and it's basically the knife trick where you put your hand on the table and you, you know, stab it through your fingers without cutting yourself. And then they put Hudson's hand on it. And uh, we have a hilarious... What's uh, going on, man? Man, what are you doing, man? Bishop, come it's on, not, man. It's not funny, Bishop. Uh, and, you know, we, we've realized that Bishop, wow, he's super efficient at that because he is a robot. He's an android like Ash was in the previous film. He pertur- prefers the term artificial human. Or Ar- Ar- Sorry, artificial, artificial person. Artificial person. I think at this point now, they're so advanced that they almost have, like... They almost have emotions, like, close to... Yeah, yeah, there's a good line later that calls attention to that that yeah. we'll bring up, but yeah. He said, I'm synthetic, but I'm not stupid. Yeah, I might be yeah. synthetic, but I'm not stupid. Um, so, Rip, when Ripley finds out about this, she recoils in horror because in the in the first film, uh, Ian Holm, Bilbo Baggins, tried to murder her with a magazine, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty vicious. Yeah, he tries to jam a fucking book down her throat, yeah, right? Yeah, it's pretty fucked until Yafit Kato, the blackest Jewish person in the history of the world, bashes his head <laughs> in. Um, um, I love the way she said it though because so he's he nicked himself doing the night yeah, trick like because cool. he, he can't hurt a human so he like probably like on a whatever yeah microsecond pop. level like had to cut his own finger to save Hudson's but she goes uh she sees it dripping from his finger yeah and she recoils uh, she goes uh stay away you didn't from say me. anything about a uh android being on board why not yeah. Right? He's like, oh, oh, Paul Reiser too, right? Uh, Burke goes into sales mode. Yeah, he's like, oh, didn't even didn't even occur to me. There was a, a, a synthetic on board the her previous mission and uh, it malfunctioned and uh, some deaths were involved. This guy, man, he's so good. Every line he, uh, every line that he comes up with. Did, did you catch the uh, Bishop's reply where he's like, uh, oh, is it an older model? And he he says, oh, uh, the X twos or whatever they are. Yeah. Is that oh, wait, yeah, or... the Hyperdyne systems. H2. Hyperdyne. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
So it's basically James Cameron just like, well, something like Cyberdyne did. I don't know, uh, Hyperdyne. <laughs> Recycling his own material. Save, save that for later. Yeah. Uh, how much, how similar are the fucking androids in Alien for, as they are in Raised by Wolves? Oh, Raised by Wolves? Yeah. They're just, I, I just call them Ridley Scott robots. Yeah. Whenever he does a thing, he's at the same robots. Yeah, it's a Ridley Scott style robot. Except for the, then there's the uh, Blade Runner ones, which are similar. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen Raised by Wolves and you listen to this... We've talked about it on here before. Fucking so go, go watch go it. Watch, it's on a crave. Go watch it. Uh, then we have the big briefing where um, we're going to find out what we're doing on this mission. Well, hang on. I forgot that I wrote down during that scene at the mess hall that this is where we learned that Ripley is racist against androids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many are just like you know in Star Star Wars, some people are racist against droids. Right. You know. You're kind. <laughs> Your droids. They'll have to wait outside. Oh. <laughs> oh. Also, there's a great line from Frost because she storms off. Man, I hate this job. No, no. So she storms off because she stay the hell away from me, Bishop, and like slaps this tray out of out of out of his hands or something. And Frost turns to like I don't know Hudson or somebody goes, guess you don't like the cornbread neither. Yeah, because they're uh, all disgusted by the cornbread. Although Burke was like, kick yeah, him So now we're. We're on the deck of the Sulaco doing our mission briefing. This is the first time I've heard the name of the ship, the Sulaco. The Sulaco. Okay, so I was going to say this for what we learned, but uh, so this is the Sulaco, and the ship from the first one is the Nostromo. Right. Uh, the Nostromo, Nostromo, I believe, it's a book by, uh, God damn it, I'm going to... Not gonna remember it. Uh, Joseph Conrad. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And Sulaco is the name of the like town that it's set in. Like it's like a mining town or something. Oh weird. Yeah, okay. so it's all Joseph Conrad reference. Made me want to read uh, Heart of Darkness. Looking up. Yeah, he's Polish, right? Yeah, he's a Polish British yeah. guy. But Heart of Darkness was originally also, written in Polish. He's also the, his Wikipedia. The main article says considered to be like one of the. the best and most original English writers, uh, fiction writers in history, and he didn't learn English until he was in his 20s. You know who else is Polish? Chopin. Oh, interesting. French-Polish. Okay. But like from Poland. That's a very French... Yeah, but from Poland, right? It's crazy. Okay. Anyway, Europe. Uh, Europe people, am I right? Yeah. Tur- tune in to our other podcast. People who are secretly Polish. Joseph Podcast... Our- P- Joseph P. Conrad, the P stands for podcast. That was good. Thanks. Well done. All right, so... This is the big uh, briefing where the Marines find out what they're really doing there. Yeah. Um, so, so this is going to be a stand-up fight, sir, or another bug hunt? Uh, this is also... Why don't you give your little xenomorph spiel here? Okay. Because I'll set it up here. Uh, colloquially, an al- because people don't want to call it an alien or the alien, uh, colloquially, the aliens in the Alien franchise are known as xenomorphs. Now, this is a misnomer. And it is because of this specific scene. Right, so explain it. Right, so the Marines are asking what they're there to do. Right, and uh, uh, Gorman says they have like limited information, but they do know. That's, it's where Hudson asked the question: Is this going to be a stand-up fight, sir, or another bug hunt? And he says we don't. We have limited information, but we know that a xenomorph may be involved. It's a bug hunt. It's a bug. Yeah, yeah. another bug hunt. Um, so they said previously in this movie, in the boardroom scene, right. that. The alien that Ripley describes is a creature never before described in over 300 surveyed worlds or right. something like that, yeah. right? So the term xenomorph, and if you break it down like 
to its like Latin there yeah. just means like an extraterrestrial animal of some kind. Yeah. Right. So he's saying that like, oh yeah, there's gonna be there might be some kind of alien animal we got to deal with, right? And that's why they call it a bug hunt because they probably right. presumably Starship Troopers style. They've fought some, you know, indigenous, hostile indigenous life forms, which is some cool world building. I really wanted them to expand on that. And it's a it's a nerdy little pedantic thing to care about the distinction between calling them aliens, it's like the Parsecs in Star Wars. Yeah, right? but the my only almost legitimate gripe with that, calling them Zeno, the aliens from Aliens Xenomorphs, like that's what they are. Is a it kind of fucks up this scene if you don't know any better and you think, oh, they know what these things are. Yeah, and so. then also there's a really good kind of Lovecraftian element to these aliens where they're just they don't have a name they're unknown they're just an unknown horror is that why space. is that why you don't like Prometheus you don't like the explanation of this like I, I will say this I do like Prometheus I I don't like that it takes this element away from the first two movies but I still like it. It's still good. It's it's if you're gonna like not retcon. If you're gonna fill out backstory that doesn't need to be filled out, they did it pretty well, and it's yeah. it's good movies. And I kind of I've gotten into the lore a bit, and I do enjoy it. But I will say I liked it better when I didn't know anything. You know, ultimately. Yeah, I and I mean between the two. And it's and if you like, but you know what? Like if you do like that, then you can just go like follow the Alien versus Predator continuity. Right. You know where the aliens are some like ancient being that the Predator is kind of like. Don't think know, I haven't. Force evolved. Force evolved into what they are by using them as like a like prey, right? Yeah. And like hardening them and making them more vicious and efficient over time, right? Yeah. That I like that. that like, yeah. They existed before, but the predators like made them worse by like breeding them for hunting purposes. Yeah. yeah. Which is a pretty cool story in and of itself. It's too bad that they kind of fucking. I mean, both those movies are are elements. Not to segue too hard here, but there are elements of both of those movies that I do enjoy. It's just like there's so much potential and it's so obvious what it would have taken to make them good and it's just so hard to believe how they miss the mark both well, the, times the problem is that you got these movies are made by like James Cameron uh, Ridley Scott David Rith- Fincher Ridley, Ridley Scott David Fincher you, um, uh, pre- with Predator you got uh, McTernan uh, and, and our boy uh, Shane Black Shane Black and these people created these amazing they knew what they were doing they knew how to write they're masters and when they got a few you know uh, sequels under their belt they were like okay you know smell they could smell the smoke like get out of here like I'm done it's we've milked this for what it's worth well really Scott went back to it and made a fucking fortune on with Prometheus but right. that was decades later right like and he had a, and he's the creator he's the, the steward of the of the of the story like he can do whatever he wants with it it's his story right yeah and that's the only reason that that movie is good is it's why it works his, his earnest involvement in it you know and then now, uh, look again. He he did that. He could have kept going with it. People are clamoring for it, but he didn't want to do that. He, well, he wanted did. To... He did do it. He did Alien Covenant, and right. and it was the op- it had the opposite effect. Alien Covenant, whereas Prometheus was a massive box office hit, it failed critically. And Alien Covenant was a big critical hit, and it failed at the box office. So now, now that Disney owns Fox. Does Disney give really Scott? A hundred million dollars to make another R-rated well, alien movie? See, Probably my, not. My thinking is he's not interested, and that's why but he, he is. He's why abs- he did. No, he is interested. That's what he wants to do. He wants to finish the story. Like, okay, he wants to bridge the gap, right? The third, the third of his prequel movies would be the one that bridges the gap. Yeah. Where David obviously like makes the Wheel and Yutani comp- company in some capacity aware of the. Xenomorphs. Yeah. There is, by the way, you probably have already seen it, but there's a great interview with Ridley Scott you can find on YouTube when he's on like the press junket for uh, Covenant, where he's talking about like why he got back into it, why he didn't want to do Alien uh, uh, what, 3? Or 
didn't want to do any of the. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want. He want. He didn't want to do Alien Five. And it's like right? even though he's the age that he is and he's already done it all, he's like he cares about like his his stories are his children, and he's like I'm not doing it if it's not good. He's like I almost didn't want to like do have any involvement in like any of the other alien movies until people brought me these ideas and I was like okay I can do something with this right you know that's like true to my original and he also like he produced later he didn't direct later in 2049 but his fingerprints are all over it and he was yeah. like he was there so yeah he's a filmmaker who like has a main, has a high no, high standard I agree you're, you're, I think what you were trying to say and I could be wrong only man's fans you were saying that the original <laughs> alien movies had these masters of their craft involved and these alien versus predator movies were fucking Hollywood cat or studio cash-ins that cynically attempted to you know give people what they wanted without having true artists behind them no, no appreciation for like the H.R. Giger inspired Lovecraftian it's, like it's too bad because you know, I know we're on a ma- off on a major tangent now. No, this is important. Keep going. But uh, the first Alien vs. Predator was directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, and we we've we've done we did that unreleased uh, two parter um, of his uh, Event Horizon and Soldier. This man knows how to make a good movie, and he knows how to make a good science fiction movie. And I think that he's so. But badly... I still think of the same caliber. No, but like. They're not gonna get, but this guy, he's got this great, he's got this great idea, and he wants, and he has a Dreamcast for this movie, and he needs 120 million dollars in an R rating, and they gave him 50 million dollars in a PG-13 rating, wow. and the only guy that they would get him, the only person they'd fork out for was Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's definitely gonna be so, something to be said in any of these stories. I see countless stories where studio fingers get like too many fingers get in the pie, and so I think the first one, like, notes and all even that. though it's not a very good movie, and like, there's so much wrong with it, like. Like, it does kind of work in the same... Like, it, 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 you feel the DNA, you feel the spirit of the Alien movies and the Predator movies in that, at least. For sure. So, I agree with that. Not the second one. The second one is just a abysmal pile of garbage. Oh, ABPT2. Requiem or whatever. Yeah. Which is all filmed here. I know a lot of people who are in that movie, and they all... You, you can see, like, like Lynn Canyon and shit. Yeah, it's, it's hot garbage. Yeah. Um, anyway, the mission briefing... Um, Long story short, Ripley kind of gives her a little spiel about what happened, and everybody doesn't really believe her, but she's pretty passionate about it. But they have it on disc, so you better check it out. Yeah, yeah, read up on Ripley's report. Uh, and then Gorman says he wants this operation to go smooth and by the numbers, and then, which, of course, means going unprepared, split up for no reason, massive casualties, self-destruct sequences, that sort of thing. Well, it wouldn't be a movie otherwise. Uh, my favorite part of this is when Hudson goes, yeah, I have a question. Or first he goes, Hudson, sir. He's Hicks. But later on, he goes, I had a hard time when I first saw the movie picking them apart. Yeah, me too. Um, he goes, I have a question. He goes, yeah, he goes, how do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You secure that shit, Hudson. <laughs> it's great. Oh, there's also the great line where Vasquez goes, all I want to know is point and shoot. No, she, where to shoot. She goes, I only need to know one thing, where they are. Yeah, and then she points the gun out. And then <laughs> Hudson goes, yeah, they said alien. She thought they said illegal aliens. and got all upset. Got signed. No, got signed, signed up. up. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> That's a good uh, racist drive right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so good. I love it that it's like she's brown face, Hispanic, and n- not, it's not subtle at all. <laughs> it's... I didn't know it, dude, I did not know that that was like a fucking freckled like freckled that, look her up she looks like they took this like freckle spray and blasted it across her face yeah and in this movie she looks like a, a chola yeah <laughs> it is that is kind of the weird thing about it is it 
you believe it. Like, she looks... I never knew. I saw the name Jeanette Goldstein in the fucking credits, and I'm like, oh, that must be the pilot chick. She looks like she could be Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know? Who knows? Like, or, or where's Baskey or whatever, right? Or the... Yeah. Like, who knows? Uh, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. If we really need to interview Jeanette Goldstein. I think that if I think I feel like that's something that we could get if we ever got big enough. Like if we ever get to the point where we have a few thousand listeners or something like that. Get a Skype interview. I with think we could get. Well, hopefully at that point, you know, we're not be Skype. We're not flying her in. Yeah. You know, but I think we could get a Skype interview with uh, with Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah. I think we could do it. Write that know? down. Put yeah. that on your dream board. Yeah, definitely. My vision board. Yeah. Uh, so they arrive over LV426. Uh, do we have the loader scene yet? Because that's that's, uh, that's right here. Okay. So everybody's they're all fucking loading up, putting missiles in drop ships and checking their guns and whatever. And Those loaders look better than CGI. Oh yeah, you okay? You want a movie that makes the argument of why practical effects are better than CGI? With the lone exception of the drop ship scene. Yeah, the but even one? then, I think if you CGI that, maybe now, it would like look 2020, fine. it would look, it would look fine. fine. It would look, come on, Star Wars, like 99 Star Wars would have made that look better. I, I still think that there's a charm to it. There is, it, there is, there is, that's why the only scene that took me out of the movie a little bit, just skipping ahead a little maybe, bit. Maybe. But yeah, the loaders are a mixture of animatronics, uh, police, and clever camera tricks. And real fucking shit. Like, and it's amazing. I was, when I was a kid, I was just in disbelief. I, I couldn't imagine how they shot that without just actually building a fucking James Cameron basically mech made suit. James Cameron was like battle mechs are cool I've seen anime yeah <laughs> like yeah, he must we, have we would learn later how into battle mechs he really is yeah he loves anime he's uh, a big th- think about this think about what an anime nerd he already was and how that probably inspired his vision for the loaders yeah that probably informs a little bit of why I love, love this movie so much yeah. as a kid um yeah, so Ripley approaches uh, Hicks and Apone, <laughs> and she's like, uh, I feel like a bit of a fifth wheel around here. Is there anything I can do? No, like, but you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, Apone says, I don't know. Is there anything you can do? And she says, uh, well, I'm certified to drive that loader. I got a class two rating. That's really good. Yeah, class uh, two means you're badass. Yeah, well, it means she's certified to move crates around and fight alien queen monsters. Have kaiju battles in her uh, <laughs> loader mag. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she gets in this loader and moves some boxes around, and you and me and Hicks all get a boner for it. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. It's yeah, really definitely great. got a boner watching that. Uh, so now we have the drop, which is super cool. Well, hang on, we also get them prepping their weapons. Uh, so this is a good time to point out that a oh boy the Halo video games the primary weapons in it the assault rifles and the pistols straight from aliens first yeah. of all they got the digital counter of the bullets on them and they're like kind of smooth and like you know boxy looking. they're very cool and then I always love the shoulder mounted the uh, steady cam guns yeah. Yeah. Those guns, the ones that Drake and uh, Vasquez are rocking. And they have that scene where they, like, pull it up. They, they stand at attention in unison. Yeah, they do their, like, uh, yeah. whatever you call that. Like, your positions. Yeah, it. oh, it's so cool. Um, I noticed on this viewing that there are two guns. The two, the, so, Drake and Vasquez, they both have something written on the side of their guns. Like, you know, you would write on a bomb yeah. in World War II or, or like whatever. like, born to kill on Joker, Private Joker's helmet or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so on Vasquez, it says, adios. And on Drake's, it says, bitch. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So now we're, we're getting loaded into the dropship. We're ready to go down to the surface of LV-426. So they, they, they load into that car. Yo, they, they load into the dope-ass yeah. ATV, like, I had that tank. toy. I had that toy. It's so fucking it's cool. Pretty, it was a pretty cool toy. That's also where the uh, kind of military snare drum music starts. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh. 
Well, you are drinking some carbonated carbonated beverages. We're, we're uh, drunk, guys. So yeah, we are a little bit. So uh, we get down into the ship. Everyone's strapping themselves in. Did you notice how Burke was remarkably calm for this entire? Uh, because he has no like conscience. Like the yeah. drop just really didn't affect him. Yeah. <laughs> He's fine. Yeah, he was fine. He's like my limbic, my lack of a limbic system will protect me. <laughs> Uh, everyone looks pretty shaky. Uh, Ripley's an experienced flyer, so for her, this is nothing. Yeah. She's a pilot, right? Uh, right before they drop. Oh, I love the countdown to the drop, too, yeah. from the cool pilot chick. Oh, she's on all the pilot uh, lingo down, like five by five niner. We're in the pipe. Five by five. five. That one stuck with me always as a kid. Same. I don't know why. Five by five. She just looks so satisfied when she says it, so I felt safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She's got those cool fucking. She's got the aviators on, right? She's got Spunkmeyer as her co pilot, you know? Well, that's the only downside. <laughs> Spunkmeyer. Spunkmeyer. Spunk <laughs> Get your shit together, man. That's definitely one of those situations where the person who wrote the script like knew someone at some point in their life without last name, and they're like, oh, that's a great name. Yeah, this kid that we used to hang out with. Yeah, Spunkmeyer. Spunkmeyer. Um... <laughs> Anyway, they're loading the dropship. We get this cool ass countdown. When they get to like two, uh, Hudson's like, "Express elevator to hell, Woo! going down." Yeah, and then they drop. Uh, and Gorman's looking pretty shaky. And Ripley points this out immediately. Yeah, he goes, "How many drops is this for you, Lieutenant?" And he's like, "Ah, uh, thirty-seven. Thirty-eight simulated." Yeah. How many combat drops? Uh, two, uh, including this one. And then Vasquez is like, Jesus. Christ. She's the one that asks him, How yeah. many combat drops? How many combat drops? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mean to ape you there. I just want to do my Vasquez <laughs> no, voice. I just want to do my Vasquez voice. Yours is a little better than mine. <laughs> uh, anyway, they so land. They land, and they, uh, they, they land there on this shitty rock of it's, a planet. It's a handyman's dream. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it's, it's so dilapidated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, they work their way through this dilapidated shithole colony. Everything's in disrepair. Everything's broken. It's a shithole colony. You know, it's a real shithole colony. Why can't we go to a nice colony? Why do we always go to the shithole colonies? Um, eventually... Uh, one of the things that, that like... So as they're, they're slowly going through... First of all... The tension here is amazing. Tension's amazing. Um, James Cameron... We talked... Sorry. Well, like, the, the device of them having these cameras... That then Gorman Those and proto HD Go like pre HD GoPro cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The camera technology. Was this the first movie that had the, the multiple screens with all the guys with the? Maybe I think it's, it, might be. it. It also might have inspired like the found footage type of horror, right? Where Definitely you're, like, getting that first person perspective. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. but that that device of them, Gorman and Burke and Ripley sitting in the in the tank watching on the cams and hearing like the grainy like audio of them describing what they're seeing is so like it's a real real CRT future we got here yeah Um, a couple of things that I like when they're going through so first they first of all they get there and everybody just has to realize some shit went down some shit happened here there's there's fucking like bullet there's bullet uh, holes in the wall some small arms fire flamethrowers things are stacked everywhere they also call out explosions from like their seismic uh, charges Mm -hmm. or whatever for mining so like they were in desperation mode like Lighten up their mining charges. To, and there's barriers built everywhere. Yeah, they built up barricades. They bar- yeah, so I think Hicks says like it looks like they barricaded themselves into this like wing or whatever. Yeah. And then eventually, one of them finds a melted hole in the ground. And uh, Hudson spits down it. Yeah. Oh no, because it's a, it's a, Hicks finds it. It's like a small one. And uh, he what does he say? He's like, oh, someone must have bagged one of Ripley's bad guys here. Yeah. And then Hudson pipes up with. Oh, if you like that, you're going to love this. And it's like a fucking eight-foot-wide hole in the ceiling that goes all the way down to the basement. 
And he, and he spits it. And then Vasquez elbows him. He's just screwing around. I don't know why that always stuck with just me, too. Around. Just screwing around. There's so many little things in this movie that stayed with me for my whole life. That's one of them. I don't know why. They, we were just talking about this uh, before the episode, but, like, th- so many lines of dialogue that are, like, just throwaway lines are, like, etched in my memory. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just, I guess it's just the way Cameron both shoots people and, like, directs them. It's just, like, most of his movies are good, right? Like, I don't think he's ever made a movie that anybody would... Maybe Piranha 2 or whatever it was called, like, his first one, you know? Like, yeah. the horror one that he made. We want, You and I once watched a garbage B sci-fi movie. But he did all the special effects. And he was, like, the special special, special effects uh, uh, director. Yeah. It's called Battle Beyond the Stars. Yes. Yeah. And you can just see it's like a Star Wars ripoff. Right? Like, it can't came out in that post-Star Wars hangover of, like, every studio. This is a... Uh, what, what was that guy's name? Roger Corman? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Roger Corman movie, like the King of the Bee movie, right? Right, right. So, it, it, I mean, it's, like, on the level of, like... He's still alive, man. You, you expect it... Is he really? He's, like, 95 years old. Wow. It's on that level of copying Star Wars where it, you almost expect it to be, like, a naked gun-style comedy or something, but it's a sincere... You know, it manages... Sincere movie. It manages to barely hold on to itself... By having some like decent character actors, like Robert Vaughn, I believe, was the bad guy, and right. then uh, George Papard was like the space cowboy. Remember? <laughs> yeah. That's and right. then uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Robert Thomas, the the Walton kid, the singer the of Matchbox Twenty. No, you know what I'm talking about though. It's, I think it's Robert Thomas, not like not Rob Thomas, <laughs> not fucking uh, smooth. Yeah, the guy who sang smooth. You know, it's Carlos Santana. Uh, Rob Thomas. Uh, it might not have been Robert Thomas, but he. You know what I'm talking about? The Kevin the Waltons, and he has a mole on his face. Right. And he's. You know what I'm talking about? Richard Tom- Richard Thomas. Sure. That's his name. Is he the? He's the Luke Skywalker he's, proxy. He's John Boy on the Waltons. Yeah. You know that show. You're American. In this, yes. You remember the, the Waltons? Okay. Thank you. You have to acknowledge that, fuckhead. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, he is Luke Skywalker proxy. Okay. Uh, but my point about James Cameron never making a bad movie, and I, to be fair, I haven't seen Piranha 3D, but you see there's moments of like cinematography and special effects in that movie where you're like, yeah. this is better than the movie that it's, it's in. Better, it, it's, <laughs> it, the movie doesn't deserve how good the effects and the space battles and everything look yeah. in that movie. So. And it's a lot of the same tricks you would see in yeah, this movie as well. Yeah, a lot. Um, um, yeah, this movie, also I forgot to mention the, the fucking use of miniatures and matte paintings uh, of the colony from the, the way the reactors look from the aerial shots are just breathtaking. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and the sets, like, they're nuts. M- much like Alien, like, it, it's just the most real world. You never ever feel like you're on a set. Ever. You feel like you're there the whole fucking yeah, time. You fully buy in immediately. It looks like they, looks like they went to some planet. To it looks like they went movie. to LV-426 and withstood the harsh terrain and silicon fucking sand to, uh, to, to you know, yeah. get this done right. Instead of filming on a studio backlot on LV-425. I'm sure, c- considering what I've heard about uh, Cameron's directing tactics, I'm sure it felt like they were on a barren planet the right. entire time. Is he one of those, like, a million takes guys? Uh, it depends. I, I know he's one of those, like, military like this, I believe this movie went fairly smoothly for him, and that's because Sigourney Weaver like centers him. Okay. But I believe the next movie he made, uh, Abyss, was the nightmare, the horror show, according to Michael Biehn. Mm-hmm. That was the horror show. So. Is he uh, in that too? Yeah, he's oh. the guy who goes crazy from the pressure. Right. He's the military guy. You know, like, the only things I remember from that movie now, and we should do it for the. We definitely podcast, should. Is the. Obviously, like the CGI creature, yeah, which would then inspire. T2. Which is basically a tech demo for the T one thousand. Yeah, using using funds 
for this movie to clandestinely plan his next feature film. Right. And then the uh, mouse, the lab rat, that they, like, put in the liquid, the pink liquid yeah. that lets you breathe underwater. So that's theoretically possible. Is it really? Yeah, and I think they have done it, it with... This feels like it would be so uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that the shock... The, the reason that you can't do it with humans is because the sh- the, your brain can't handle the shock. You'll die. You'll have a heart attack. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, it's in theory, it is possible. And they did drown in Harris to make that seem like real, and he almost died. <laughs> oh, and, really? Yeah, and that's why he hates James Cameron. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he called him a pussy or something. Or like, it <laughs> wow. was, Yeah, it was bad, man. Uh, anyway. Ed, Ed Harris is a badass. He so. is, too. Uh, so uh, they, everything kind of calms down. They realize that uh, everyone's gone. So at this point, they call in... Burke, Ripley, and Gorman into the facility. Yeah, I wrote, uh, Ripley and the pussies come inside. Yeah, right? <laughs> and they, um, I got something to comment on Gorman shortly here. Okay. Uh, so they go and they find this lab, and in the lab they find in uh, test tubes two dead face huggers and two living ones. Yeah. So Bishop comes, robot come all over the place because of his the scientific... Uh, yeah. A science jizzes all over his yeah. fucking uh, face huggers. Oddly enough, his semen is red. It's kind of a weird, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird choice by the by the company there. So it's not so much that they have this different blood; it's just a palette swap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Poop, so he poops yellow and pees brown as well. Uh, at this point, <laughs> they let that one go. Yeah. Eh? Uh, I think is this where they find Newt. Um, well, they talk about the face huggers for a minute. There's a good little line that I didn't kind of... Maybe I've noticed it before, but I really caught it this time, where Burke leans to Ripley when they see the face huggers. It's like, is that the same same ones or something she's like, like that? Yeah. yeah she, she doesn't even say yeah. She like nods like, yeah. Um, And then as they're talking about them in the two... Oh, they, they, they do break down what happened a little bit, too. It's like, oh, they died. They killed the guy taking this one off of them and yeah. whatever. Well, yeah, the, the, the medical report, like, subject died. So, yeah, they, they, he died and they take it off because you can't yeah, they, remove them. They killed him taking it off. You can't remove them once they're on, right? That's yeah, we learned that in the first one. So efficient they are. Um, it, yeah, it just seemed to come off by itself, right? That's she says about the uh, um, So what, what happens is while they're in there, they pick up a... Oh, that uh, cool little scanner this thing. This is where we, we, we get introduced to another thing that Halo would borrow, and that is a often ripped off sci-fi trope now is the uh, motion sensor. Well, they use the motion sensor in the first one, too. It's just a little more crude. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. God. They modify and made it more portable on this one. Yeah. It's super cool. It is very cool. Uh, but it beats with like a heartbeat and has yeah. like a little kind of LED light of like a kind of like a organism-y looking yeah. thing. Like kind of it pulsates when it's moving closer. Yeah. And it gives you like a meter readout of how far away it is. Yeah, it's very cool. So, it, so they've moved past the Imperial system at this point then. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that because they said it in uh, the boardroom thing too, right? About like how like saw how big the ship was and he says it in meters. Kilograms. Yeah, yeah kilograms. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. That would have confused the shit out of it. Well, because also James Cameron is Canadian. Right. So he put, yeah. The Imperial system. Oh, yeah, that's funny. He probably was like, hey, we should be using the metric system in the future. I kind of hope we will. If I'm going to tell a movie about the future, we're using the metric system. And with the exception of like feet and inches uh, as a a measurement of of an individual person's height, the Imperial system makes zero sense. Yeah. What does Grandpa Simpson say? My car gets five rods to the hog's head. That's the way I likes it. The metric system is the tool of the devil. My car gets 40 rods to the hog's head, and that's the way I like it. <laughs> I love that. Um, the metric system, we might have to cut that. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah, they have the cool little scanner, and they, yeah, and this is how they. Um, I think Drake almost blasts her, actually. Yeah, so they Gorman calls over to Apo. He's like, "Where are your men?" It's like, "No, we're all on D deck or whatever." And so they, it's really great, like all these big tough marines and they're all like kind of huddled together like yeah. sneaking up like Drake's got the lead with his steady cam gun Frost behind him with the motion sensor and uh, they come up on it and it it it's a, turns out to be a little girl it runs across the screen and Drake almost lights her again, up again on VHS as a child that looked like a blur like for sure like running across the screen like it could have been an alien I don't know yeah you know, I think I, was, I didn't real, know it was a little girl same here the first later. time I watched it so it ends up being uh, yeah a little girl who has been surviving herself this entire time this has to be months at this point right because it takes you know a couple months for them to get to LB426 in the cryo sleep uh, and that was after they lost contact with the colony, right? Yeah, so, so it's been months. Yeah, so Ripley goes in there. I uh, Hicks right away is like, Ripley, we need you, right? Like, yeah. no pretense. I, uh, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how to deal with children. <laughs> uh, so Ripley goes in there. She she finds Newt's little hovel where she's been staying. or So we haven't named her yet, but she brings her back to um, the lab, and uh, we discover uh, her name is Rebecca Jordan, but she is her nickname is Newt. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't talk for a bit. Like the Marines are trying to, like yeah. Gorman's trying like, to. Talk okay, her. now just start from the top. Come on, little girl. I, want, I need you to concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> just start from the beginning. Yeah, so it's. Uh, she's physically fine, a little malnourished. So it's remarkable that she's survived this entire time um, since she's facing aliens and not predators. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I feel like the predators would have given her food. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have killed her because she's unarmed. Yeah, it would have been boring for them. Yeah. Um, and raised her as one of their own. Yeah, that would, that's. <laughs> fuck. Turn the podcast off. Oh my god, we gotta write a script. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, We're back. Well. We meddled at Sundance. We'll see. We'll see how American box offices take it. Some people applauded. Some people booed. I blame COVID for the failure of our initial release. Um, Nobody goes to the theater anymore. So she basically says straight up, "Everyone's dead. They're all gone. My parents are dead. My brother's dead. Uh, it's it's over." Um, and then uh, Burke has the idea of tracking the colonists by their uh, company chips that they get uh, installed into them. PDTs. Yeah. Personal so, data transmitters. Note that, 5G uh, <laughs> fear mongers. They are going to put a chip in you in the future, and they will track you down. <laughs> you'll like it. Yeah, and you'll like it. You'll agree to it just so you can get that sweet terraforming gig Ooh, on LB426. Yeah. Think how many shares you'll get, though, when you find that mineral that's uh, not listed, right? Full shares, full credit. Unobtainium? <laughs> Oh my god, dude. <laughs> That's where they found it. It's really just alien shit. <laughs> That's what we're going to learn in uh, Avatar 2. It's really just xenomorph feces. <laughs> so they locate all the different like signals from these uh, trackers underneath the reactor, right? It's like a goddamn town meeting. Yeah. So they think, oh, okay, people must have just gone and huddled there, you know, in, in, their, in their hiding. Well, they don't know what's going no. on. So they... Oh, wait, wait, hang on. What does Hudson say? Oh, stop your grinning and drop your linen. We found them. Yeah, sure does. Texas Hudson. Yeah, they're, so, they're under the main processing facility. The reactor. And it's a reactor for the, like, atmosphere processor. Yeah, so it's basically a powder keg. So they're in there. Uh, they keep going down and down and down. And they eventually, excuse me, hit the nest. So they see all the goo. And oh, it starts turning into, like, so... An H.R. Giger painting. Yeah, man. It, it looks almost skeletal. But like you see, that's it, how they. That's how they next, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. It's it's very heavily, uh, like it's it's obvious and intentional. 
that the they're basically like wasps, right? Yeah, they it's build like a, a nest. It's like a nest of yeah. wasps. You got your drones, your queen, your eggs in there. You got this like resin that they secrete that builds it up. Yeah. They bring bodies back and like stick them in there to eat for yeah. later, right? Like it's very well, they, in, insectoid. They use like what the aliens do uh, is they 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 don't they only eat very little. Like the, the they only eat a little bit of meat. Most yeah. of the time, they bring the people there and just create new aliens to breed. I am at, I'm, it's like bees, right? Yeah. Like, they're, the drones are single service. They're out there to get bodies, right? Like, they probably don't live very long, you know? I don't think, I, I don't know, man. We, like, we really got to capture a, a xenomorph and do some studies on it. Yeah. Um, the, I just, smart, the smart money move is to bring one back alive I just so you can study it, recently right? got a fellowship from this company, Wayland Utani. I don't know if you heard of them. They make, like, spaceships. Oh, yeah, the computer stuff. company? Yeah, right. So um, they're sending me on this little trip, uh, and I, I figure I'll bring something back, and we'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Get her. <laughs> send, send me to check out this beacon. Uh, so... Um, they're in the they're in the tunnel. Uh, they keep going further and further. The music gets more and more ominous. Yeah, <laughs> it's real, real it's hot as hell in here, man. Um, Ripley, uh, Ripley somehow figures out that um, the weapons that they're using, or she asks oh, what kind of bullets they're using. It's great. So they're getting down close to the reactor. Yeah, they're getting closer where the colonist beacons are, and they're in the middle of this fucking wasp hive shit. And she turns to Gorman. She's in the tank with Gorman and Burke, right, and Newt. And uh, she says to Gorman, she's like. Uh, Lieutenant Gorman, what do those pulse rifles fire? Did you write down what they I are? I sure did. Of course you did. Uh, it is... Hang on here. Oh, 10 millimeter explosive tipped caseless. Standard armor piercing. Yeah, so basically they'll just shred anything that they, t- yeah. they hit. Yeah, she goes, well, that uh, atmosphere processor is basically a big fusion reactor, right? Yeah, so any type of combustible ammunition is going to cause a chain... Could potentially cause a chain reaction and blow them all up. I like that even Burke is like, oh, whoa, she's absolutely right. Yeah, because Burke is a self-preservationist. He yeah. doesn't want to die, yeah. right? At this point, though, like, if you haven't seen the movie yet, there's still not very, there's still not any, like, insidious indications that Burke is a bad guy. And if you're like many of us and you'd only seen Paul Reiser as Paul Buckman, then you're like, he can't possibly be a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, did you notice here he also, when he's describing how, how it could blow up because it's a fusion reaction? Adios, muchachos. Adios, muchachos. Yeah. After he already said uh, tough hombres earlier. I wonder how much of this is James Cameron or like if he because he is like you know he's running the show right those but I'm I feel like a lot fucking, of this is Paul Reiser they're like I want you to Reiser this up by like 20% I'm not a Paul Reiser super fan or anything but him doing the Spanish to like kind of sound like a Ex- nerd who's trying to be cool it's very good choice fully feels like probably his choice like I, I don't know I like Paul Reiser. The first three or four seasons of Mad About You are pure 90s comic gold, man. Yeah. So. I mean, I've even watched his stand-up. I mean, it's pretty, like... It's vanilla. By the numbers. But it's pretty funny. It's observational. It was in that era, right? Like, what's the deal with this and this? Like, that kind of stuff. Not a lot of stand-up from the 80s is going to be funny to us either. Um, I don't know. It can be. I was shocked to laugh out loud at Tim Allen's stand-up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. It shouldn't be. It's one of those, it shouldn't be funny, but I couldn't stop laughing. The, the only really funny comedian of that era that I can think of Jerry more than as a kid is, well, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, George, George Carlin. Carlin. Yeah. We both said it at the same time. Yeah. Why do you ever see any black twins? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, they get further and further down. They, they uh, Apone basically says, okay, that being the case, or no, Gorbin says, Apone, I need you to collect all the magazines. We can't have yeah. any firing in there. Yeah, flamethrowers and uh, small arms, uh, sidearms. No, he says, uh, he sidearms. He says something else, something and flame units only. Sidearms. Is it? Yeah. All right. Take and your, then I'll take your word for another, it. Another uh, famous line. Uh, Comes out here. Yeah, a couple. You get uh, Frost going, what are we supposed to use, man? Harsh language? And then you get Hicks slowly pulling a traditional pump-action shotgun out of his backpack and goes, I like to keep this for close encounters. He goes, I hear that. Frost, I heard that. I heard that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So... That's badass. I love that. Well, yeah, one of my favorite scenes from that from the whole movie. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like to keep this hand. So um, they come across a colonist who's been um, waxed in, or like gooed into the wall, and they lift up her head, and then she's alive. This is when you get one of the, the one of the famous kill kill me kill me, and then a fucking alien starts bursting out of her chest, and this is the first time all these Marines have seen it, and they're fucking horrified. Fucking kill it, kill it, kill it, and then Apon gets in there and just. Blast it. And somebody lights it up with the flamethrower. I think it's Apollon. Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. He just blasts it with the flamethrower, and then they're all panicking, and then before you know it, the fucking walls start moving. Yeah, the hive wakes up. Yeah. And I was I texted Nathan when I was watching this. Uh, this, I mean, there's so many superbly directed shots in this movie. This shot right here in but, particular. Yeah, the way that they show the ceilings that are kind of the same shape you've been seeing, this like skeletal H.R. Giger shit, they start to move around like a bunch of wasps like coming yeah, alive like inside of a hive. Yeah. And it is absolutely terrifying. They start getting motion on the on their motion trackers. They can't see anything. Yeah. They're coming out of the goddamn walls. Tony, man, it's all around us. Multiple re- multiple signals. And uh, I think it was even Frost is like, maybe they don't show up on motion trackers at all. Yeah. And then uh, someone gets grabbed. Uh, one of the Marines we don't know. Crow or D-Trigger, yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. Gets grabbed and fires off the flamethrower and hits frost hits frost frost has all the ammo in his bag in yeah his bag so that catches fire yeah he explodes yeah he's done so no more frost uh one of the one of the guys gets blown away and then so yeah so frost gets hit with a flamethrower and explodes and then like three other marines nearby die just from the irony of that yeah frost getting burned to death uh it's pretty vicious and uh, people did you, get, are, did you get it yeah the irony frost yeah that's great um <laughs> Okay, let's keep going. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's Bedlam, it's Chaos. Vasquez and Drake had squirreled away a couple of uh, magazines. Oh, that's a dope scene that we yeah. kind of brushed over when they're collecting the ammo. Like, she waits till Gorman's not looking. And she pulls out she another She pulls out two extra clips and hands one to Drake. So she, and she goes, that's rock! And then just starts fucking blasting them. Yeah, they, yeah her and Drake just start unloading with their handy cam yeah. guns. And it's, it's fucking vicious. badass. And the chaos, this is why the chaos wanna... and the music in this scene is just unreal. Like, Gorman's freaking out. He cutting back and forth he doesn't know what to do he's losing his shit uh ripley is like pull him out pull your team out and he's like i want you to lay down a suppressing fire whoa, whoa, whoa. oh he, yeah he's like impotently trying to give orders to apon while they're all getting it was like what what say again say again yeah while they're all getting eaten by aliens yeah. uh and then um ripley takes charge of yeah. my boner yeah and, yeah. She, and the situation she uh, gets in the fucking driver's seat of the of the APC and starts going down back down the tunnel towards the uh, 
conduit so she can just break through the wall. And, you know, every, they're, they're trying to pull out. Everyone's dying. I think there's only about four or five of them left at this point. Yeah, we get it. There's a shot before... Ripley the take, camera's going dead. Yeah, where, before Ripley takes over from Gorman and starts driving the tank where you, you see the different cameras going off. They, the also monitors, have, yeah. they also have their, like, heart monitors, like their yeah. vitals, and they start going, like, all they flatlining. One, yeah. two, three, they're all flatlining. It's so tense. This is where I wrote down, and again, we, we said it already. I've seen this movie. You've seen this movie. Uh, fucking realistically, times. like... 30, 30 times, times yeah. probably. Probably, yeah. I know every beat of this scene. It's my favorite part of the movie, probably. I was almost sweating with tension of like what's going on. You're in the edge of your seat. You're in the edge of your seat the entire time. There's no, there's it, no question. The music is so. James Horner's score in this movie is fucking epic. Yeah. So Ripley comes barging in with the tank. Uh, the Marines that are left uh, get to the. Get to the tank. So we, Marines, we are leaving. Yeah, Marines, we are leaving. That's Hicks, right? Yeah. Corporal Hicks. So who, who's so who? All we have left at this point is Drake, Vasquez, Hicks, and Hudson. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yep. So we get back to the. We're, we're trying. They're trying to get back to the ABC. They have to go around it because it crashed like like a pillar down into the wall. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking around, uh, Drake runs out of ammo. Drake, Drake's got. Uh, he's he's uh, bringing up the rear, like yeah. just mowing down aliens, trying to get everybody to the tank. Yeah. And uh, one gets him off guard, gets between him and the tank. Yeah. And uh, Vasquez tries to save him, shoots him with her steady cam gun, kills Classic. it. But it, it, it's so great the way it's shot, too. Its head yeah. just explodes into pieces, and he Drake gets sprayed with the acid. Brutally. Bullet. And as he's like, recoiling, he gets grabbed and uh, yanked away. It's with a really blood curdling like, scream. Yeah, and Vasquez too. is losing it because this is her, presumably her lover who's dying. Yeah. And. Uh, no, that sweet dick. Get back here. Oh, I, just, I love it. Like, I love the improv here. She's like, he's gone, he's gone. He's like, she's like, no, he's not. Yeah. Like, it's just pulling. I love he didn't cut that. He left that in. Yeah. He left that in. It was really. It felt real, right? Yeah, definitely feels And this real. is so dope. Just as they're about to close the door, fucking this is, I think this might be so, the, so, this, hey, let me, let me do it. Yeah. Because this, this might be where the trope starts. Is as they're closing the door, the fucking hands reach into the, the door and pull it open and the alien's head comes inside and it snarls at them and Hicks just, or Hudson, one of them shoves the, shoves the shotgun into it so it goes, eat this, boom. Blast it. And then Hudson gets fucking sprayed. Yeah. A couple of guys get yeah. acid blood on them. Get the door closed. They fucking uh, really, oh, and during this, really Gorman guns got, him out of there. During this, uh, Gorman got knocked out by a bunch of falling debris, and that's the last we'll see of him for hours. Yeah, so, yeah, it's worth we, we skipped over it, but when Ripley takes over and she's driving the tank in and banging around yeah. the walls, trying to learn how to drive it, Gorman takes a shot to the head and gets knocked out. Yeah, and he's immobilized for the next. 30, 40 minutes of the movie. Like, we don't see him again until the fucking climax, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's a really strange choice. I don't know if, like, I can't remember from... You know what it is, man? It's a device to let Ripley and Hicks take command of the situation. I guess so, yeah. Right? You need to get him out of the picture, otherwise you'd have to constantly be justifying why they're calling the shots now. Or you could kill him, but they need him for some shit that happens later, right? So... Uh, yeah, they they do manage to get out of there, and uh, Ripley, in basically in shock, just keeps driving even though they're like grinding. You just grind. The, the axle's gone. You're just grinding metal. Ease down. Okay, ease down. Yeah, ease down. It's really kind of sexual. It is very sexual. We haven't really gotten into that yet. But anyway, they're in a they're in a bad spot here. So uh, let's take this moment at the end of this action scene that we both love so dearly. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break, an intermission. Intermission. We're going to go... You guys go get popcorn or whatever. We're going to go... What's none of your business? 
I'm probably gonna jerk off. I don't know, Nathan. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna probably uh, turn around and uh, you know put my headphones in while you do that. Okay, and cool. And then you just tap me on the back and you're done. Okay, sounds great. Okay, cool. we're gonna do that, and uh, we will be right back with the second half of our feature film. Aliens. Aliens. Okay, goodbye. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Fucking A. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. They can bill me. Hey, everybody, we're back. We are back with round two here. Yeah. Uh, so where do we leave off? I believe our uh, our intrepid crew, ragtag group of survivors had just made it out of the uh, tunnel of death. Correct. Right. The, the hive. The hive. Uh, yeah, Hudson's not taking it well. No, no, he's real scared. Uh, they're, so basically at this point they're talking about what they're going to do and Ripley decides that they're going to get the take off and nuke the site from orbit. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. For, well, first of all, no, Hudson uh, realizes that Apone and Diedrich are still alive. Well, yeah, because they're gonna be they're gonna be cocooned. Yeah, and they, Ripley has to break it to him. It's like they're they're you can't go back. Like they're yeah. right now they're gonna cocoon just like the rest of them. Yeah, and they're trying to decide what to do. And Ripley says we should just nu- take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. This is now the first time we get a sniff of Burke being a piece of shit. He's like, whoa, uh, there's a su- su- substantial dollar value associated with this facility. She's like, they can bill me. Yeah, that's a great, and then, great line. Yeah, and then he's like, this is a species that none of us understand. I don't think it's... Uh, but it's I don't think you or me or anybody else has the right to arbitrarily exterminate. <laughs> I, mean, I never noticed Ripley's reaction. But she's wrong. I never noticed that until this time. She's like, absolutely wrong, you fucking idiot. Yeah. So yeah, this is the first sniff we get of Berg not being the greatest guy. And yeah. then... So Ripley says that uh, I believe that Corporal Hicks is in charge. Yeah, because Gorman's incapacitated and it's a technically a military operation. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I like Burke, too. It's like, oh, Corporal Hicks. Yeah. Like, this guy can't be making decisions like this. He's just a grunt. No offense. Not taken. <laughs> um, so, he, when he says, they ask him what do you, what do you want to do, and Hicks goes, well, I think we should take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. Yeah. It's the only way to be sure. So, they call uh, the dropship, which I thought would have gone back, but it's just hanging out on another part of the planet, a less volatile part of the planet, I guess. I think they're just waiting where they dropped them off. No, because it took off. Did it? Yeah, like uh, it's the, it like takes the, the the dropship takes off. So they're out somewhere else on the planet, and for some reason, like I don't know, Spunkmeyer's out having a smoke or something, or like oh fucking Spunkmeyer fucked everything up. It's always fucking around. So as so they're like, oh, let's go. So as he's get, heading back into the ship, he steps on some goo. Yeah, he's like, he's like, come on, Spunkmeyer, let's go. Because she's just so sick of him constantly fucking around. Yeah, he's such an idiot. He's delaying missions. Yeah. Gotta hate him. Spunkmeyer. Uh, but as he's climbing back on the ship, yeah, he puts his hand on a railing and there's some goonies. Like, Wait a second, there's something. She's like, I don't want to hear it, Spunkmeyer. Just get up in the cockpit. God, fucking idiot. And then um, they take off, the ship, the dropship takes off and uh, the door to the cockpit opens, but it's not Spunkmeyer. It's a fucking alien. Yeah. And then, so. and, and then the pilot's like, clever girl. Then, uh, <laughs> no, she goes, well, where the fuck? And then she tries to go for her sidearm and boom. I love it. I love how she tries yeah. to pull out her gun and she just gets Oh, eaten. smeared the fucking. So we get this great shot model work of the drop shit fucking crashing. Just the whole sequence where it's coming up behind him, but it still looks like it's in the foreground. Like, I don't know how he shot that. Yeah. Like, it's the ultimate explosion. So it's such an epic explosion. The ship actually smashes in. Uh-oh. 
to the facility that they just escaped with all the volatile uh, um, heating vents. So stay tuned for what that for the consequences of that. <laughs> um, and now they're fucked. So at this point, we had one of the well, most epic breakdowns, emotional breakdowns in the history of uh, cinema. Why don't you take us through it? Yeah. So well, first of all, uh, so we we kind of have not talked about it too much, but Newt and Ripley are developing like, like a, a bond, a real bond here. And Ripley's kind of basically told her like, I'm not gonna let anything bad happen to you. Yeah. And uh, Hudson's just the Ripley and Neuter dog, and Hudson's just freaking out in the yeah, background. Yeah, having a meltdown. Yeah, well, that's that's just fucking great. It's fucking great, man. We're some real pretty shit now. Game over, man. Like you've all heard the line. Game over. Yeah. What a fucking like. What a brilliant like quote though. Like that's up there with like here's Johnny and fucking like all the all the. Best like ad libbed movie quotes of all time. It's sure. game over, man. Um, game over. There's a great episode. Don't of... save that for what we learned. Okay, because that's a all good right. one. Yeah, it's um, a good story. Um, I just read, read, just reached in my brain and picked out my thoughts, huh? Well, we've talked about this before. We hang out too much. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we can only hang out. <laughs> um, so they. Oh, uh, wait, hang on. We get another iconic line here. Uh, they Ripley's talking to Newt, trying to reassure her, and she says. We better get back. It's almost dark, and they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, that South Park episode with Cartman and the babysitter, and he keeps repeating it throughout the episode. My mom really doesn't like it when babysitters have their uh, boyfriends over. Or my mom mostly doesn't like it when they have their boyfriends over. Mostly. <laughs> we'll have to cut those in, because they're great. He's, like, watching the movie earlier that night, and he just goes, they mostly come at night. Mostly. And, like, apes it, and then just, like, repeats it throughout the course of the episode. And now, back to the movie of the week, Aliens. They mostly come at night. Mostly. They mostly come at night. Mostly. <laughs> yeah, that is another iconic line. There's another one coming out with, from Newt later about the monsters. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there's just too many. Too many. Uh, so Ripley kind of writes the ship. She kind of fucking, like, get, grabs everybody and, like... They go hunker down. And yeah. The, I w- I'm, in my notes, I'm calling it the command center. It's, like the la- it's a lab of some yeah, sort. It's yeah. Like, it's like the, the head, you know center of operations for the mining facility. No, I don't think that's what it is. It's got like a medical room and everything. I think it's their lab. I think it's their like infirmary. Right, but in they like sh- shit's down. Yeah, they like, back to tanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, but there's a lot of like lines about how like if everything were all fucked up they could control this or that from that spot. Well, maybe, it's, maybe all the administrative stuff is kind of connected. Maybe you got like your 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 whatever wing your your, just your administrative wing where all these little like offices are maybe that's what it is well let's spend another couple hours on let's it. do it it's definitely the living quarters well they bear but basically what they do is they fortify it as much as they think they can they weld the door shut they yeah they pull up blueprints Ripley calms down Hudson and makes yeah. him are you finished and like makes him pull up blueprints and they figure out like oh if you weld this door and that access hatch oh this tunnel here this is how they've been getting in right we just weld all this up and then you know wait for rescue or whatever uh, and they do that, but okay, and this is also where Ripley is now firmly in charge. That's what I said. Ripley writes yeah. the ship here. Yeah. yeah. Now Ripley is in, in command of this entire operation. Um, Hicks is Hicks is tacitly ceding power to Ripley. Yeah. Uh, I noticed uh, a great little shot here, which I'm sure stuck with you too, where when they are welding everything up and trying to barricade themselves in you're you're so tense at this point you right. know of the impending doom of the aliens they go to weld this one door close and they show a shot real close up of the door just about to close and you're like 
oh god, like what's gonna happen? But then it just closes and they weld it up, and it's like just the tension building is so good. Because you don't know, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. He's he's a genius. This is a, this movie is a masterwork in building tension. Yeah. So we have a scene where uh, Ripley puts Newt to sleep. Can I uh, hear? Just before that important scene, um, Hicks is is talking to Ripley. And he gives her his, like, little wrist tracker. Right. It's like, here, take this. And he puts a little bracelet on her. She's like, what's this? And he's like, uh, it's a tracker. I can locate you anywhere with this. And he has, like, a little thing that yeah. tells away how, like, how far away the tracker is. And they have, like, a very, like, you know, romantically tense moment. And then Hicks goes, it doesn't mean we're engaged or anything. Yeah. Which is... I love it. I, I, I laughed. It's a I great smiled line. Yeah. at that line. It's good. Yeah, they've got the hots for each other for sure. Yeah. Also then, like, that... So then Ripley goes to put Newt to bed and immediately takes it off and puts it on Newt, right? It's like, oh, I, I appreciate the sweet gesture from Hicks, but, like, I can take care of myself. I'm going to take care of... Use this to take care of This is the uh, other iconic line where Newt says, my mother always said there weren't any monsters, but there are, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah there are. There are. So why do they tell kids that? Well, usually it's true. Usually it's true. Just not here in this fucking horrible, horrifying place. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, well, this is so. At this point, what, what, I have a question. Does now that Ripley gave the wrist locator to Newt, does that mean Newt is now engaged to Hicks? You're, you're, you're taking it way, way, way too far. <laughs> uh, so really, uh, Ripley at this point, Ripley's actually talking to Bishop about the eggs and the queen and how many how many aliens it would have taken to you know impregnate all these colonists and whatnot and they theorize this is the first time they theorize a queen right yeah it must be something we haven't seen yet yeah what's right? like what if, if that's the case what's laying all the eggs uh, must be something we haven't seen yet uh and then um uh, well that i wrote fuck yeah it is yeah <laughs> so i fuck i may have not noted exactly how does ripley find out that burke was going to okay so i'll, I'll walk you through this whole okay. thing so this is this is this was something i didn't really understand the first few times i saw this movie right so there's a line here where ripley tells bishop to destroy the uh face huggers right and he says burke said not yeah. to do it right? yeah burke burke wants us to keep them alive and bring them back he was very explicit with his instructions and uh ripley uh <coughs> then confirms somehow he looks up some information or something on the computer that Burke was the one that sent the colonists the to go Jordans. check out the beacon. Yeah. Yeah. To go check out the or rather the ship that they landed on in the so, first movie. Which of course he only knew about because during the briefing Ripley uh, told him basically said where it was. Right. So we learned that it wasn't until then that Burke actually sent the colonists to look for the... So he's responsible for this whole fucking mess, Yeah, really. great acting from both of them yeah. in this scene. She even points out, it's like, you didn't even warn them, yeah. right? I, she says, I'm going to see that they nail your ass to the wall for this. Yeah. Right to the wall. Right to the wall. And this is where he's doing his best Trump, and he's like, look, I, I made a decision, and it was it was a bad no, call. No, there's a difference, like, because Trump would never say... It, it, yeah. it, that he made a bad decision, even 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 to get himself out of a bad situation, as we've just discovered. Yeah. No, it's a, it was a good deal. It's a great deal. We're gonna work with the xenomorphs. <laughs> Some of the beautiful people on both sides, you yeah. know. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, so she's choked, and we are. So now we're, it's confirmed. We kind of suspected about Burke that he's just another piece of shit company man. He he also says to her there, uh, "I I thought you'd be smarter than this, Ripley." And she's like, "Oh, I'm happy to disappoint you." Yeah. Uh, now they find out that uh, because of the damage that the ship did to the reactor, that they're fucked. I like the shot where they figure that out, where yeah. Bishop makes them look out the yeah, window. It's very pretty, Bishop. But what are we looking at here? Yeah. Yeah, and that fucking like gas vent like shoots out of the. I was like, oh, fucking gorgeous, great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, that's just fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what the fuck are we gonna do? So they find out they have four hours. Four hours till the reactor explodes, and it's gonna be like it's gonna thirty kilometer yeah. nuclear explosion. Yeah, so it's basically gonna melt the facility. So the plan they come up with is uh, Ripley suggests that they need to fly the other dropship down from the Salaka. Yeah, and uh, they don't have a way to do that from here. The only way to do it would be to go out to this dish that's on like another facility and yeah. point it at the Sulaco and fly it down manually. So of course only Bishop's physically capable of doing it. But yeah, Bishop volunteers like I'll go. I'm the only one certified to fly it anyway. Yeah. Fly it remotely. So he has to get to a transmitter that's strong enough to contact the Salako and bring the the dropship down. Yeah, he yeah. breaks it down to the time it'll take him to like yeah. crawl down there, realign the dish, fly it down. It's like three hours and forty five minutes or something. And then literally, as soon as they get Bishop down there, well, hang on, because this is great. Oh, this is the big face hugger scene coming up. No, no, no. This this shit with uh, getting Bishop on the mission to go fly the uh, dropship down. So, well, first of all, Hicks is all for, or uh, uh, Hudson's all for it. He's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, make Bishop do it. Bishop should go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, what does he say? He's like, count me out. And Hicks is like, yeah, well, why don't we just count you out of everything? He's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Bishop's like, uh, believe me, I prefer not to. I, I might be artificial, but I'm not stupid. He goes, I'm synthetic, not stupid. Yeah. But what they do is they cut open a hatch in this, like, 200 meter long pipe. I believe it's the same hatch that Andy Dufresne crawled through in the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> it's full of prisoner shit. Yeah. Uh, it's like barely wider than his body and they drop him in there with like a remote terminal and shit. I love when he's climbing in and getting all his shit together and describing how long it's going to take him. Vasquez really like casually just hands him a pistol like, you know, of course you're going to need this and he like takes it like, what? And like hands it back to her. I think Bishop like, you know, I don't think we've ever seen it but I'm pretty sure that one of those androids would be physically strong enough to There's a little bit of a best like a, at least ones you know more. Yeah, I don't want to look into it too hard because it's like when he does the knife trick, that's like some data from Star Trek. No, shit. androids are super strong. They're, yeah, the the like in the Alien universe, androids are like data in Star Trek. They right. have uh, extra human strength, speed, agility. So reflexes. He, he should be able to handle a, an could, alien or two. One or two aliens, unless unless it got him with its tail or uh, or dismembered him, like what happens later. Uh, pretty sure Bishop could snap the neck off or snap the head off one of those things, no problem. Yeah. Just like David in uh, Covenant. Right. Or Walter, or whatever his name was. Yeah. So. Uh, Fastbender. No, but the character. Yes. Yeah. The characters he plays. Walter David, David Walter Fastbender. David Walter Fastbender, is that his name? <laughs> this is his real name. He changed it to Michael. <laughs> it was really Harry Hole, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no one's going to get that, but I got it. Yeah, so Bishop's off. <laughs> really anxiety-inducing shot from in front of him, crawling through this yeah, like, like meter-wide pipe. Not oh. a fan of uh, claustrophobic stuff. It's so stressful. Um, and then um, Ripley talks to Hicks and confirms uh, whether he would kill her if the aliens get her. And he says he would, so that's great. Uh, then uh, he shows her his piece, by which I mean his assault rifle. 
pretty dope assault rifle, if you ask me. Yeah, so she teaches, he teaches her how to use the assault rifle and the grenade launcher on it. Real sexual tension here. It's really sweet, too. I really like yeah, it. I remember the first time I saw this movie because it came out in an era away and everyone fucked in movies, you know? We yeah. don't do that anymore. We say that for Nobody TV. Nobody fucks anymore. No, on TV they fuck. On TV shows, right? No, they but don't. But in movies they don't fuck anymore, you know? Yeah. So So she knows how to use a gun now. Uh, also, a little important thing, uh, Gorman wakes up here. Right, super important. Yeah, he's got a massive headache, but he's okay. Tries to apologize to Ripley and she's just like, forget it. <laughs> I don't think Gorman's that bad of a guy, really. You know, I don't no, think he's like just in over his head. No, he's uh, an experience. The, the parallel of Gorman in this is of the like the Vietnam uh, platoon, the LT, the, the LT who went to officer school and didn't go to like basic and boot camp. You know, the way that all these grunts did, right? Right. So he's like a, a like a patrician compared to these, you know, plebes. So that's the whole thing with Gorman. I think that's a cool parallel to draw. Yeah. Chris just got distracted by what was on the uh, TV here. It is uh, Alien Resurrection. Michael Wincott is performing a foot massage on the hot woman. Uh, back to the movie. <laughs> so after the tender scene with Hicks and Ripley, we have Ripley laying down for a cuddle. Yeah, she takes her new gun and goes to check on Newt. Uh, who's uh, not in the bed. She's, she's not in the bed. She panics for a minute, but Newt's under the bed. Well, the music gets real soft real quick here. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, that's a cool little detail too, right? Like Newt, that's yeah. where she feels safe, right? Hiding under the but bed. There's even the scene earlier on when they're in the, the APC where she gets out of the, the seat with the, like, with the, the, what do you call it, the retainer, the seat, like the, you know, when you're oh, on the, a roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she, the, the roll cage. The roll right? cage, yeah. She t- takes the roll cage off and goes and crawls under this little... Like right. Nook, right? right so right. that's kind of her thing now. She hides in Nooks. I should have called her Nook. <laughs> <laughs> like Animal Crossing. Ah, big miss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ripley curls up under the bed with Newt and like passes out with her because they're just kind of waiting on Bishop to get back. Yeah. There's a cool shot of Bishop flying the ship back remotely too yeah. where like you see the on the Sulaco, the like machine arm coming and picking up the drop ship and like yeah. loading it up and shit. And then um, Ripley wakes up and realizes there's an empty face hugger jar on the floor in the room with them. Two. Two of them. Yeah. And the gun is gone. And her gun is, yeah, she reaches up over the cot and the gun is gone where she put it. Yeah. Um, and she gets up and wakes Newt up. She's like, Newt, wake up, we're in trouble. This scene scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. So tense. Real horror movie shit. Um, she realizes they're trapped in there, right? She can't get out. They're banging on the glass and you get a shot from the that, other side. I, I fuck. When she's like, use the chair and she hits it and then it cuts to the other side and you see her hit it you can't hear anything. I was like, turn around. Yeah, you get, you get the fucking look. The shot from the other side oh. of the glass and they're banging on it you can't hear a sound, right? It's like soundproof in there. Um, she tries to wave at the camera to get yeah. Hicks' attention and uh, Burke is watching the cameras and he turns the feed off Yeah, because... This is his plan. He wants them inside of them. He's trying, yeah, he's trying to impregnate the two of them with uh, aliens so he can use that as a way to get them, take to take them back to Earth. Then he'll get full shares. Yeah. Uh, so Ripley comes up with a great plan of... Exclusive rights. <laughs> tons of shares. Uh, she comes up with a great plan to take out her lighter and set off the fire uh, alarm. That's what I would have done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I would have curled up a little ball and accepted my fate as, uh, you know, an alien mom. I want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I 
would have gotten mouth raped by a facehugger is what would have happened. Uh, I mean, think about this. Like, this point in the future, there's going to be, like, a sex, like, a sex fetish of people who are so depraved. The only thing that can get them hard anymore is getting impregnated by a facehugger. For sure. You know? So, we're not there yet. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this scene's just so tense, though. Like, they're fucking crawling across the ground. They're jumping at them. She, she, okay, she sets the alarm off. It goes, everything goes red. Alarm goes off. She tells them, don't worry, they're coming. It starts pouring, spraying water everywhere. And one of the face suckers pops out and tries to grab Ripley. She's fighting it off like it's choking her. It's got its her. tail around her neck, like yeah. squeezing. Really terrifying. Newt's got another one pinned down. Yeah. One cut starts coming up from behind like a little like tray or whatever, like a, a yeah. cart. And Newt sees it, kind of crushes it up against the wall, but it's still squirming to get free. And she's a little girl, so eventually it's going to overpower her, right? Yeah. And uh, Hicks and the Marines get there at the last possible second. Shoot the uh, Shoot it out. fucking glass open with their saw rifles. Get in there. They have to. Was that actually Michael Bean jumping through that window? Because it looked like him. Maybe. Yeah. It's, a, it's just like sugar glass, right? Yeah, it's a cool scene. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's great, man. Like they, three of them have to fight to pull the one off of uh, Ripley, and they throw it in the corner and Blast shoot the it. Out of it. And then uh, Hudson gets the other one. Yeah, Hudson pushes Newt out of the way. Says, "Watch out, kid!" and shoots it while it's up against the wall. And then as soon as Ripley can breathe again, she's like, Burke, it was Burke. I love how they cut, the, they cut, the, they smash cut, and then Hudson goes, I say we waste this rat fuck son of a bitch right now. Yeah, rat, another, rat fuck son of a that's bitch. That's another one that stuck with me. Rat yeah. fuck son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, you're dog meat, you're pal. You're dog meat, pal. Yeah, so they're talking about what they should do with him, if they should just kill him or whatever. Oh, they want to, the Marines want to waste him. They just want to fucking blow his ass away. Yeah, he's gaslighting them, like... This, what you're saying is nuts. You, you all sound crazy it's right now. Paranoid delusion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that New York brogue. It's it's paranoid delusion. I, I like how Ripley breaks it down. It's like, yeah, he was gonna bring them back inside of one of us, right? And it's like, well, uh, and no one would know about it. It's like, well, we'd all know. And uh, she's like, well, he would get past that by sabotaging some of the yeah uh, the the sleep tanks or whatever, namely yours. Yeah. Um. And Burke, let's see. Uh, oh, right, right. At this, what breaks this tension is they start picking up readings on the motion tracker. Well, no, the power gets cut. The power gets cut. No, this is the best because he goes, they cut the power, and then Hudson goes, they cut the power. What do you mean they cut the power? Yeah, and then they start getting major readings on the motion tracker. Uh, Burke pieces out and goes and locks himself in like another room. Oh yeah, he like closes, slams the door on Ripley and Newt. Yeah, and they start like they're all huddled together with their guns, and they realize the readings are like inside the facility. Then they're inside the barricade, and they're like, "Ripley's like, what? It must be something we missed, something in the plans. I don't know." Yeah. And then uh, the whole time, Hudson's like reading out the distance, like yeah. ten meters, eight meters. It's like six meters. It can't be. It's inside the fucking room. And then they all of a sudden they all kind of slowly look up at the ceiling. Uh, oh, boneheads. Oh no! And uh, we Hicks, forgot to secure the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> Hicks. Uh, Takes his gun and a flashlight, gets up on a chair, pokes his head through the ceiling, and you get this amazing shot of, of like all crawling towards a them. bunch of aliens crawling yeah. through the ducts. Towards the look on them. his face, he just immediately starts blasting at them, and they fall through the ceiling, yeah. and they're like jumping over furniture. And I love shit. the way that he made them break apart when they got blown away. Like one shot takes out a chunk here, another one takes off one's jaw, like their arms, because those 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 uh, rounds are fucking powerful. They're just blowing these things to pieces, but they're so dangerous because they're such like efficient weapons that like doesn't like yeah, it's so good. And uh, we lose Hudson. 
Yeah, sh- the shit gets real here. Uh, you want some? Take some of this, motherfucker. You want this? Yeah, he goes down to blaze of glory. Yeah, he gets pulled down to the floor. Pulled through the floor. Uh, um, Hicks cuts through a door. I think they're going Burke with. Yeah, Burke locked it. They cut through. We actually see Burke finally get his uh, his kind of a little anticlimactic. I would have liked to see some burnt splatter but I, it, 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 there's something to be said about it happening off screen and you kind of leave it to your imagination I, I always liked it yeah I feel like he I could have gone either way you, you know? get the shot of terror in his eyes you do right? get that what yeah. happens is so they try to get into the room he's in like Hicks is cutting it with a laser torch and Burke goes into another room thinking yeah. he's safe opens the door and then turns around and there's a fucking alien right you mean a xenomorph a xenomorph excuse me <laughs> I mean a xenomorph uh also, I mean, I think we've already hammered this point home, but like the practical effects on the aliens, like when you get the close-up shots of their face and stuff, like they don't look like anything other these than are the a aliens, real creature. These are the aliens that I know. Yeah. Like when I think of aliens from, when I think of a xenomorph, this is what I think of. Like the one in the first movie is okay looking, right? Uh, they're getting their feet wet, right? This is the true alien. And they kind of replicated the look for resurrection. That's what, that's the look you need, right? This is the alien. This is the one. Yeah, yeah. But it, it looks. Is it Stan Winston that did the aliens? I'm pretty sure. I he's in the credits anyway. If he's in the credits, it was him. Pretty for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's his creature factory. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it looks it looks like a living, breathing thing. They're unreal, man. They look terrifying. They look like they're the way that the they're all wet and one shit. One thing like was really cool effect. Well, we, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about when we get there. Um, so uh, anyway, it's a frantic escape. They end up in a tunnel. Um, yeah, Newt is like this way and pulls yeah. them all into like uh, whatever little passage. Yeah, like a heating duct or whatever, and they all follow her. So the way they're lined up in these tunnels, it's Ripley in front and Newt, Hicks following, and then Gorman and uh, Vasquez. Gorman and Vasquez kind of shooting the aliens down at the back and like keeping them off of them. Uh, and this this scene is all so tense, man. Yeah. They're climbing through all these ducks. Vasquez is like just taking them down left and right with her machine gun, which is running out of ammo. Uh, she eventually runs out of ammo. And pulls out her pistol, cool ass like custom, yeah, like Vasquez pistol, ivory plated handgun or whatever. And she's shooting one, and one gets the drop on her from above, right? She fucking kicks its leg up to the side of the head, head up to the side of the vent with her leg and blasts in the head like four or five times. Then her leg gets badly yeah, burned. Sprays her with acid, yeah. and so she can't move anymore. Uh, so Gorman goes back for her, right? He's, he's gonna have a moment of yeah, uh, redemption. Of redemption, he tells Hicks to go on. He runs yeah. back to Vasquez and shoots some of them off with her, trying to drag her. They get cornered on both sides, like they get, you know, sandwiched by. And they pull out aliens. one of those really cool grenades. Yeah, so he pulls out a grenade. Oh no, he runs out of ammo first. Yeah. And Vasquez is like, you always were an asshole, Gorman. Yeah. And so he pulls out a grenade, and they both look at each other. He hits it, and they like both hold each other. I like other's that. Hands. I like that. It's a tender moment. It means like we're going down together as Marines, right? Yeah. So yeah, they get they buy the uh, others a little bit more time. But it explodes, and, and the explosion shakes Newt loose, knocks Newt off this thing oh, she's climbing it's so on. So frustrating. And she falls down into like a lower level under like this a, like like a sewer, this fan thing into like sewer section. Uh, it's really terrifying the shot of it. She's like in waist deep water, like holding her little doll head. Yeah, but they have. She has a tracker. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Hicks is like, we gotta go find her. He's like, uh, she's alive. He's like, I believe you. That's later. Oh, that's later. You're right. Yeah. It's like we can find her with this. So they Hicks and Ripley go down with this little tracker thing to try to find her down there. They do eventually get to her. I like the scene too, where like they can hear each other in the distance. So yeah. Luke stands up on a pipe. Ripley. 
she sticks her fingers through the like grating so they could see her. So, At that point, you think everything's just fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Hicks starts, like, torch-cutting the floor to try to get down to her. Ripley's telling her to just, like, be still. Just wait. Like, you know, don't don't panic. Whatever. And uh, she's like, okay. And uh, while they're, like, halfway through, first of all, Ripley notices incoming, you know, uh, readings on the fucking motion tracker and telling Hicks to hurry. And he's like, I know, I know. And... Talk me through what happens here. Uh, so this is like one of my favorite shots. It just terrified me as a kid, and it still looks good today. Um, as Newt's standing there, an alien emerges uh, from the water behind her, like in full, like you know, bipedal form. And it's like one of the first times you see it, and in, in that like full of like not kind of crawling, not like kind of acting like an animal, not in shadow, not in shadow, just kind of standing, just seeing it like how large and terrifying and brutal it is. It's, it's just, so scary. It's such a great shot. It's tails moving around. Yeah. And then she's gone. Yeah. All you see screams. is, uh, all you see is the head of the little doll's head in the, uh, in the water there. Yeah. Cause Ripley and Hicks couldn't get all the way through. So they're like trying to stomp, stomp the, it down. Ha- while it's halfway cut. They can't get in. Ripley's trying to get in there and Hicks won't let her go down. And she's like, no, she's alive. She's alive. They don't they don't kill you. And she's like, I believe you, but we have to go now. Right? So their plan is to take off, get to Bishop and the dropship, and then go back for right. Newt. So, which is a really funny scene, too. They get there. They get to the dropship. And Bishop is like, how much time we got left? Plenty of time. But I think before that, uh, I think you missed Hicks gets injured pretty badly. Like, they go in an elevator. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. yeah. So, they go in an elevator to get up to surface level. And they, it's great, too, because he pushes the button. And they get in there. And nothing happens. And he pushes it again. Like, waiting for the elevator to take them up. And it starts to close. And an alien busts in. Yeah. And he fucking shoots it. But he gets, but he gets sprayed with acid. Like, real good. It's really good shot. Like, uh. Special effects here, where it like eats through his suit, and they're like fighting to get it off. Yeah, and he throw it on the ground. It's all smoking. He's got his face, his eye, his suit. Like he's fucked. Yeah, like, he gets fucked up. Yeah, he's by the time the elevator opens to the surface, Ripley's like carrying. Yeah, him, dragging basically. him. God, why does every Michael Bean movie end with him like you know barely able to <laughs> barely able to move? It's true, man. Very like echoes his Kyle Reese character here, you know. Yeah, where Sarah Connor's dragging him on. Like, Come on, soldier. Come on, Reese. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they get to Bishop. Bishop's like, they're like, how much time we got, Bishop? And he's like, plenty of time, 26 minutes. And Ripley's like, we're not leaving. And he's like, we're not? <laughs> <laughs> so this is like where Ripley gets all ramboed out. Yeah. This is so, the iconic uh, the iconic scene, right? Yeah, Hicks is incapacitated, right? He's all bandaged up and he can't move. And uh, the plan is to fly Ripley into the reactor as close as they can get her so she can go in and get Newt and come back out. It's a good little exchange of dialogue, too, of like, uh, where Ripley says to Ed Hicks, like, uh, don't, Hicks, don't you let him leave. And he's like, we ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> this is one of the all-time great gearing up scenes. It's a in great scene. Action movies. She takes the assault rifle and the flamethrower. She fucking duct tapes them together. She duct tapes the, uh, little tracker device to it as well loads up on grenades and flares and shit slings this thing over her shoulder uh, gets in like a 
service uh, elevator service elevator to go down to the reactor and it opens up just as she's finishing gearing up like all this shit on herself and it's like dead silence it's a great trailer moment for sure yeah dead silence she's got the, the little flame from the flamethrower like the little torch yeah. light at the end is going little pilot little pilot light little going pilot light. yeah yeah so yeah it's tense as fuck she's navigating her way through all the like you know beehivey like you know shit dropping little flares for herself as she goes so she can know how to get the fuck out of there Hansel and Gretel her way back out and uh, yeah we get farther and farther into, the ne- into this well this is a this is a new a different nest I guess this yeah. is the, the main nest and uh, we see for the first time well first what we see is the um, the amniotic sac laying the eggs and we do a slow pan. Well, well, wait, like no, because first she finds she finds Newt. Oh, that's right. right? I'm so sorry. So, right. well, she finds Newt's tracker actually. All oh, right, just she finds Newt just as Newt's personal egg is gonna fucking hatch, and then the hugger's gonna oh, you know jump on her face. That shit's so terrifying. It is so terrifying. You see Newt screaming, and then there's an egg in front of her, and it just slowly opens oh, up. Oh god! And the fingers start coming out of it. Oh no! And it starts like pouring the ooze down, so that they can like. Ugh. Yeah, Ripley gets her just in time. Flamethrowers it up. And uh, grabs Newt, starts trying to carry her out, and that's when she that's she, she stops for a minute, realizes she's in a room full of egg sacs. Yeah, which is first of all, it's also true in the first Alien movie, but just the special effects of these things, man, They're disgusting. They're so disgusting and real yeah. looking. Like, ugh. and the room's fucking filled with them. And then we get the shot you were talking about, oh, like the sack. Yeah, the giant fucking like, and the giant like. Uh, you know, have you ever seen a queen ant before with her sack attached to her? Yeah. It's it was it's like that, right? It's like that. It's this big pulsating grub-like appendage that's like on their ass. On its butt that's yeah. secreting out these eggs, yeah. right? And they pan along to what's at the front of it and you get this amazing amazing shot, shot. of the queen alien. Oh I don't my know. God. I had the, I had the queen toy yeah. and if you squeeze on the back of its head then the fucking little mouth would shoot out the front. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you know how they like made this because it looks like it's the size of a room. It's huge. Yeah. It's massive. I've seen they brought them to uh, Science World. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a big science. I was a was when I was a kid. Uh, it was a science fiction movie exhibit in Science World and they had the scale uh, queen alien uh, one of the like a scale queen alien model and a scale uh, loader. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, and they had like all sorts of shit, shit from like Star Trek and stuff and Star Wars. And but that was one of the things that stood out to me was that because I'd just seen the movie, you know, a few weeks previous, and then I went to this field trip and like all these other kids were like, "Oh, my parents will let me see this." I was like, "I've seen this movie." So I saw <laughs> it. It's big. It's pretty big. Yeah, and it's. It's electric, man. It's like, huge. This scene. They is... use ropes and pulleys and like fucking yeah. clever camera tricks to make this thing look like a living, breathing fucking creature. And it is like the music is maybe silent at this point. You just hear it like breathing. This like. Okay, so I never noticed that before, but I got like a good surround sound system set up here, and I'm sitting by my speaker, and that was for the first time I can hear the Queen's fucking disgusting alien breath like pouring into my oh. ear, and it was just. Awful! It's, I loved it. The sound design on that—it's so good. I, we gotta look up for what we learn. If we can, uh, we're close enough to it. I'll remember because this movie got nominated for several Oscars, and I forgot to look that up. So we'll yeah. check out which ones it did. Let's uh, let's cut in right here the sound of the Alien Queen. Let's see if we can get that in there. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. We'll and see if we were successful. If not, we will never have that part. Yeah, there's yeah. just a weird pause. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, truly terrifying. And there's this amazing standoff, right? So the queen looks at Ripley and the drones, the, the, the aliens start coming in from the side and she fires off the flamethrower and the queen like kind of spazzes out and then she points it at some eggs. Like, yeah. call them off or I'm going to light up your fucking nest here, right? And she does, right? Like, she like kind of gives like little like motions towards the other aliens and they back off and she backs her way out to the, like the elevator and one of the sacks opens up and she gives the fucking queen like a cockeyed look. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you fucked up. And Bitch. just starts spraying the whole nest and with then, a flamethrower. My favorite part is this is another, I'm sure this always stuck with you too. And especially the sound effect here is after she's done with the flamethrower, then she starts fucking launching uh, grenades into the queen's sack. Yeah. And like she like does a boom and then it like gorps. As it like blasts out the 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 like the amniotic fluid from the sack. Oh, and it's it so good! It's man. so satisfying. It's so satisfying, and the the queen's freaking out. Ripley runs to the elevator. Uh, we get this gross but it's awesome disgusting. shot of the the egg sack detaching from the queen because it's like, like on fire. Crawling her way out. Like. Yeah. So the queen's gonna fucking chase her down, right? She uh, gets in the elevator, right? Uh, Ripley gets in the elevator. Yeah. Uh, they take the elevator up. The queen also takes the elevator up. The queen is, you know, she's been in this facility for a few years now. She knows, you know, how to go up and down. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, like, you know, if the queen alien, and there's many queens, it's not just a queen, right? Uh, if a queen would be, like, extremely intelligent. If their problem-solving skills would be, like, that of, like, a velociraptor or, like, a, you know... Like an apex predator who could figure out how to move around in a in a in its yeah in an environment that it grew up. It's in. I mean you you probably agree right. It's definitely implied here that it's smarter than it's not necessarily human smart. It's still an animal, but it's definitely smarter than the drones and definitely has problem solving skills. And you know oh, so we'll, we'll get into this later. Sorry, but yeah, it does have problem. She definitely does have problem solving skills. We should say she because it's clearly a female. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I guess we can't assume that anymore, can we? <laughs> Cause God forbid you call a girl a girl now. Anyway, let's anyway, move on. They, they uh, chase made... Ripley up the elevator. <laughs> uh, Ripley gets to the top where they where they, she got dropped off originally, and it's in chaos. There's like electric force. This, there's force I, lightning I, I, everywhere. I don't understand how he made this look this way in 1986. I really man. Because the facility is just a, it's a series of pipes and tubes at this point. Like the internet, and, <laughs> much like the internet, uh, and it's all just falling apart around her. Like I said, like all force lightning is exploding all around her. Like it's, like it's the music, like that tense, like duh, 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 duh. Yeah. The one the Simpsons yeah. has aped so many times. Yeah, it's like, like building like. Wonder, is that the first time that that sound score was used? Because that was that's been stolen for trailers and like modified for other movies. Isn't it an alien? I think they do the same thing. Is it James? Does James Horner do the score in that too? I wonder if he does. Oh, good question. Another what we learned question. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, Bishop, Bishop's not there. Ship's not there. Ripley's fucking like, pissed. You fucking android! I knew I was right about you, goddamn trash people this whole time. You androids are all like, uh. <laughs> no, but Lance Henriksen is a stand-up guy. And of course, Bishop shows up. Right? Well, the queen. the queen arrives. Yeah. And don't look, Newt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look. Yeah, that's fucking intense. Ugh. But then the dropship pops up from behind her and saves her at the last second. He's like, uh, there was too much, uh, 
the, the landing zone was like unsafe. I had to take off or whatever. Gets her out of there. They get on the ship. They fly back. Movie's to, over. Movie's over. That's it. Not. No. Uh, they fly back to the Sulaco. That big ship. The big, the big ship. Big penis. Yeah. To the. The big, forty. That forty-two. No, that was the Nostromo. The Sulaco would probably be, you know, at least fifty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Four hundred thousand dollar ship right there. <laughs> um, that was a two hundred dollar plasma screen TV. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so they're on the the Sulaco. There's no, it, you, you kind of think maybe the movie's over. They definitely put that energy out they there. They have a, like they have that soft kind of like uh, na, na, kind of score going yeah, for a second. There's a moment between Bishop and uh, Ripley where uh, she's like acknowledges uh, him as another. Being. Yeah, I hope that was okay. The landing zone was too hot. It's like, you did great, Bishop. Like, <gasps> And uh, then um, something happens to Bishop. He <laughs> seems uncomfortable for a second. And then a gigantic alien spiked spear tail fucking oh. pierces through his abdomen oh. and he starts spraying milk blood out of his mouth and out of his torso oh god it lifts him up and then she just rips him in half yeah the queen alien is on the back of the ship they took up and it pulls uh, pulls a, a bishop up puts one hand on either side of his body splits him in half across the center throws him like to the other end of the room it's so fucked up man oh, it's, it's gruesome oh that stuck fuck. with me so much oh yeah that's really in my mind you see all of his like android like tubes and like organs yeah you know? such a great fucking practical effects there amazing just amazing animatronics and just everything and also we haven't really talked enough about it but Lance Henderson's understated performance as Bishop is just epic in this movie yeah once you see him in some other stuff you realize how good how much of a different thing he's doing he's in this movie. not like he's he's a like such a like he doesn't even have that much screen time in this movie but he's such a like memorable important character like yeah He's one of the main guys of this movie. Like, totally. Love him. But now he's in half. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, what happens, basically? She squirrels, she squirrels Newt away. Yeah, Ripley tells Newt to go And then hide. she goes into the cargo hole. She, she gets the attention of the queen. Like, yeah. no, here. Like, waving yeah. her hands at her. And then for a second, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And then she takes off running. And kind of get, like Ian Malcolm with the T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she runs behind, like, some locked door. And, and she uh, sees the... Power loader. And we get the most badass scene, badass, boner-inducing kaiju battle, feminist kaiju battle of all time. It's so dope. I one thing I didn't notice, like I, I've noticed it before, but like this time it was accentuated. Is like so she, she obviously puts on the loader suit, goes out of the to confront the queen in the main hangar, and she's this now she's got this you know the size. You know, pick on someone your own size. What does she say? Get away from her, you bitch. Yeah. That's another iconic line. Absolutely. So she just cranks the queen <coughs> twice. I like the way her... she does it the first time. She like raises the one arm up in the yeah. air and then swipes it across the And then the she face. goes down on one side and then she takes the other one and cranks her and the queen just goes flying across the hangar. I never really noticed how far she flew and like crashes into a bunch of like crates and stuff like that. Like it's so badass. Yeah, the queen's tail's like all flailing it's around. It's like almost hitting her in the face. Yeah. Um, but she's smart. She manages to pick the queen up by the neck and like crush, crushes her to the point where she can't crush anymore because the queen's exoskeleton is probably too strong. And then drops herself into the, or tries to drop the queen into the airlock but gets pulled down herself. Yeah, so she lands in the loader on top of the queen at the bottom of this yeah. hole that the airlock is. 
And uh, what's the drop airlock like? Where they drop the drop ships from? Right. right. So she like detaches herself from the loader, tries to climb herself out, uh, gets to this little. Oh, she gets grabbed. Uh, that hand, the queen, grabs her around the ankle, and she's like fucking hanging onto this ladder for dear life. And she opens the airlock. And she's right near the controls for the airlock, so she opens it. It starts open. It starts sucking all the air out of the ship. Sucks the loader out. The queen's hanging on by her ankle. She's like screaming, and eventually it like just finally gets like knocked loose from her leg and flies out the hole and she climbs this is great like the same building yeah and right at the climax of that she fucking hits the controls and closes the airlock again oh. yeah it is such an amazing it's amazing to an action movie and you know she cleans up Bishop uh, cleans up Hicks get, cleans up Newt they all uh, go into cryosleep and then suffer horrific deaths off screen in the next movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> but no Aliens like a masterpiece like yeah. a true masterpiece it, like, it's weird to walk through all the beats of it because it's like I don't imagine who's listening to this that hasn't seen this movie I don't know a lot of people like fucking Clay today told me he hadn't seen Alien yeah, he's seen this movie hundreds of times. He's never seen Alien. That's crazy. And he's like, I, I felt no need to watch it. I'm like, you felt you need to watch the movie that created this universe? It's on like the AFI Top 100 Films of All Time list. That doesn't mean anything. So is Citizen Kane. That's like a hard movie to watch, right? But I mean, I don't know. Alien's great. We should convince him to watch it. Let's yeah. let's let's get Clay to watch this movie. You listening, Clay? I hope so. Anyway, that was Aliens. One of Nathan and I's all-time... Yeah. Top, uh, top I, five favorite films of all time. Probably. And I gotta say, like, it doesn't lose anything in 2021 like it's still as beautiful epic poignant uh they don't say the f word <laughs> you know so we didn't have to give it the disclaimer this time uh oh, that f word yeah, yeah. It's, oh they say fuck oh wow that's what i love when i was a kid i'm like how many times i say fuck in this movie <laughs> little 10 year old nathan yeah, yeah fuck. fuck fuck shit fuck ass fuck <laughs> uh but no i gotta know i give this movie um 12 bad hombres out of 12. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it uh, LV 5 out of 5. Nice. <laughs> All right, we are going to do our usual little break and come back with questions and what we learned. Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> oh, Vasquez. <Ow. laughs> it is too bad. All right, we are back with questions and... You got, a, you got a question? Uh, yeah. Uh, sport? I got a question for sports, you. Sports fan? Um, you know, Alien was kind of like, a, you know, it was a groundbreaking, iconic movie, spawned a big franchise, much like Star Wars. And much like Star Wars, there was a few um, clones that were made that, you know, were kind of not that bad. You know, what, what were some alien clones? Uh, I don't know a ton. What? What's Leviathan? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely Leviathan. Uh, underwater. There was a couple underwater ones that were clones. Like Deep Star 6 was another one in Leviathan. Right. And then Creature. Yeah. Was. There's also a lot of... Like this kind of got space horror becoming a thing. Well, Alien, right. Alien, the first Alien did, right? This yeah. one this one added like the action element. But I don't know. I think there's still a lot of movies that came out that tried to like match the success of Alien to have that enclosed space with the creature that's taking people out one by one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely those. I think those are the three biggest examples: creature. Oh, and life force. Life force. That's right. Actually, if you guys ever want to see a movie with the most inexplicable opening thirty-five minutes of all time and some huge titties throughout, <laughs> watch Life Force. Yeah, it's got it all. 
Patrick Stewart's in it, you know. But no, it's really bad. It's it's it is not. It's tough to watch. Have you watched it? it? It is a the first like again the first like thirty five minutes like when they're in when they find the spaceship and all the space vampires you're like what the fuck's going on here I am so curious yeah it, and then they never expand on that it is a classic like roasting type of movie yeah like a quote unquote good bad movie it doesn't really work for me on that level no it's too boring I am glad that I've seen it me too it's because it's got some excellent set design and some great practical work in those boobs mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but again, it's not very fun. Anyway, but uh, I would recommend like Deep Star Six and Leviathan are both actually really fun movies that have like I think uh, it's Leviathan that's got Peter Weller. Robocop. Yeah, Robocop. Yeah. So I quite enjoy that one. Deep Star Six is also okay. I'd stay away from Creature. Sure. Yeah. I barely, I only remember like the VHS cover. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Creature came out like later that year. Like that's another like Corman like rush the production, copy the other movie kind of okay. thing. Uh, okay, I got a question. Sure. Um, would you sign up for uh, planet colonization? Like Will and Yutani planet colonization? Hell no. <laughs> no. Fuck but that, man. Most people don't know any better in that universe. I don't know, man. Like I feel like I, I guess you're right. I guess the like the Will and Yutani company is just so like powerful that at that point they'd be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think so though. I'll be four two sixteen like a real shithole, and le- like unless I was like a Mormon and I was going to go, you know, to yeah. the Mormon colony frontier, <laughs> which exists in every sci-fi universe apparently. I mean, I just want to go into space, so I might I want to say yes. But then again, like in this world, there's probably other ways I could get into space, right? I could I could be I'm working on a deep space cargo freighter like Ripley. Or, yeah, but you're still working for the Whalen Utani company, right? I feel like there's not maybe another option. No, because they dig burns. There was like Whalen and then Utani and they. Whalen, Utani, or so Amazon. Speaking of, Peter, choices speaking, of Pe- speaking of Peter Weller, there's a deleted scene from Alien vs. Predator because Bishop Lance Henriksen is Charles Bishop Whalen, right? And then the Bishop Android model is just designed to look like the original Whalen, right? And then in the there's a cut scene from Alien vs. Predator where Peter Weller was uh, Utani. And I thought that was pretty badass that like Bishop is like. Whalen and then Robocop was Yutani and I thought it was a good oh, marriage cool. of that era you know what I mean did not know that it's too bad they cut that we should have saved that for what we learned but we're not, it's not about that movie yeah uh, no I would not be a colonist uh, for like one of those shithole rocks in fact every movie in that universe that involves colonists it always ends badly for them so it looks pretty depressing too yeah Pretty shitty. Kind of reminds me of that of uh, New Cobol on Battlestar Galactica. Just a real, or any of the planets they find in Interstellar. Just all yeah, shitty cold rocks that none of us really want to go to. Yeah, it's not as glamorous as the Whalen Utani uh, brochure. Made it out to no, be. no. Uh, well, doesn't Anne Hathaway make it to the not bad planet at the end of Interstellar? Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. That was a great podcast about Interstellar. Let's. Okay. That was a train wreck as usual. We'll be back with what we learn when we actually have some stuff to say. Continuing our unending streak of that segment being terrible. All right. We'll be back. from her you bitch all right we are back with what we learned hey nathan hey what'd you learn oh a few things hey. uh hey uh so i learned that uh al matthews who played apone is in fact sergeant avery johnson in all the halo games that he appears in playing the identical character yeah playing the identical character so that's awesome so i mean you're going from like 
inspiration to just straight, you know, we're going to just use the same character in this. So yeah. I think that's great. Uh, this movie was uh, nominated for three Academy Awards, winning two. It won for Best Visual Effects, of course, for Stan Winston and a couple of his uh, cohorts, and of course, Best Sound Effects Editing. We talked about the sound. Sigourney Weaver was nominated for Best Actress for Ellen Ripley. She lost to Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God, where a deaf woman played a deaf woman. So good job, Oscars. You <laughs> knocked it out of the park again. Uh, I mean, you pointed out, though, that is a time when, like, Oh, it sci-fi, actually got, sci-fi movies were not getting uh, nominated for that kind of shit. Sorry, four other nominations. Uh, they did not win, though. Uh, Horner did get nominated. The late James Horner, he did get nominated for Best Score, Best Art Direction, Editing, and Sound as well. So, big, huge, like, this movie got accolades. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yes, uh, James Horner did not do the score for the first one. All right. Yeah, that's what I got. Picked up all our loose ends on that I one. Did. Yeah, I did it this time. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I didn't learn too much, but I wanted to use this to point out a fun little Hollywood tidbit. Um, the guy that plays uh, Private Frost, I think his name's Rico Ross. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, he is on a great episode, an episode of a great podcast called "I Was There Too." With, I think, uh, Matt Gorley and somebody yep. else hosts that one. Um, they interview, like, people that were on the set of, like, big movies. And Who have like, fun stories. Have fun stories. Yeah. And he just tells a great story about how um, he was watching uh, Bill Paxton do Hudson and be, like, just crazy over the top and the game over, man, and all that shit. And the whole time just thinking, like, man, what is this guy doing? He's in a different movie. Like, this is not going to work at all. Thought he was, like, tanking the movie. And then when he went and saw it, like, on the... Premiere. At the premiere, he's like, wow. No, it works. He knew what he was doing. Like, this guy's electric. Because you never think about, you know, on set with no music, no lighting, no editing, like, how ridiculous some stuff must sound, right? And, like, yeah, you can picture, like... Bill Paxton's over-the-top, ridiculous character of Hudson just being grating to the other actors, but yeah, just it worked so well. Hey, like he made a choice and like leaned into it hard, and it shows. And James Cameron knows how to shoot it too, yeah. so it just works really well. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're not subscribed to the feed, please do that. Please uh, follow us on Instagram. Please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever. Um, we're going to be amping up this year. You know, you know, this first year that we were doing this, very much experimental, very much getting into the groove, figuring out kind of how to do a podcast because it really isn't as simple as um, you probably think it is if you want to start one. <laughs> uh, but this yeah, year, stay in your lane, everybody. We've got a pretty good. I think we've got a, we've got a pretty good handle on our style, and I think we're gonna. Um, Put a little bit more uh, energy into making it sound a little more professional. Yeah, and um, we're gonna start probably focusing more on like not always. We're always gonna do hidden gems, one-offs, this that. But I think we're gonna start doing a little bit more theme stuff. Maybe pick a director, pick a theme. You know, try not to just scramble <laughs> to pick a, a different movie every week because it's kind of hard. It's harder than you think. It really yeah. is. So um, but- I'm actually really excited about uh, this year. I think we're gonna. I think it's going to ramp up. I think I'm really excited. Uh, and I'm going to start trying to put the call out more on social media, on our Instagram account. But if you want us to do something, if you like this and you want us to do a movie, fucking let us know. Please let us know. You know, we were getting a lot of recommendations for a while there and then that kind of just stopped. So start up again. Yeah. Send me texts. I really don't like message me on Facebook, message Chris on Instagram. Just say, hey, do this movie. Uh, now, having said that, Kyle, we will do your Tom Selleck movie. 
because <laughs> you're our number one fan, and we, we owe it to you at this point. It's true. Um, probably I'm kind of got to do another Van Damme. At Admittedly, point, I'm too. scared to do it, but we're going to do it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. That's it for today. I'm, I'm too drunk to continue. Yeah, I'm also drunk now. So, shout out to Erica for making this thing Basically being good. the most... Uh, Valuable member of the Handsome Boys. Shout out to you are the best. Putin, our mascot. Oh, she's been such a good cat tonight. She's been sleeping here the entire time. And um, eat shit. Happy New Year, motherfuckers. Fuck, Fuck boys. Happy New Year. Bye. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now, what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. I guess we're not going to be leaving now, right? I'm sorry, Newt. You don't have to be sorry. It wasn't your fault. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now?